Welcome to The Pit Stop, the only radio show produced in the triad dedicated to Bowman Gray coverage every single week. Join host Brett Wiseman for exclusive coverage and interviews with your favorite drivers at the Madhouse, plus recaps of the previous week's races. Coverage of all divisions, modified sportsman, street stock, and stadium stock. Tune in every Monday night at 8 p.m. on WTOB 980 AM and 96.7 FM or throughout the week during the season on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Maylor Family Chiropractic and Acupuncture, located at 205 North Cherry Street in Kernersville, is your family chiropractor. Dr. Maylor's goal is to treat and correct the underlying cause of patient symptoms to alleviate pain and to restore balance. Maylor Chiropractic treats pain, sports injuries, injuries from auto accidents, and much more. Start performing to the best of your ability pain-free. Give them a call and set your appointment today at 336-996-3737. Maylor Chiropractic in Kernersville. Area softball stars. Register for the Diamond Star Softball Transfer Portal Showcase June 14th and 15th at Bob Lewis Park in Asheville, North Carolina. This showcase is for any player currently in the transfer portal or any JUCO player. Get the opportunity to showcase your skills in front of college coaches from all levels. Over the two-day event, players participate in evaluations such as softball skills and metrics by college sports evaluations, drill and team practice participation, and playing in three games. For more information, visit DiamondStarEvents.net or email Coach Ben McKinney at McKinney at Diamond StarEvents.net. Welcome back to The Score with Brett. Charlotte out of timeout. It's morning. The shot. Game over. He's going to get off. Here he comes. Here he comes. He's got him this time. It's going to be a drag race. They touch. They touch. Craven got him. The runner at third, nobody out in the first and didn't score. Second and third, one out in the second and didn't score. Smith, Corks went into right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run, and the Cardinals have won the game. Welcome to The Score. Here's your host, Brett Wiseman. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of The Score here with Brett Wiseman on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman joined by Christian Emery, our producer Desmond Johnson. Before we get into the Carolina Hurricanes in the second round, first of all, I'd like to apologize for somewhat jinxing it as we were off last week. Uh, home team did not lose a game in that series, by the way. Favored Carolina because they won game seven. Um, second order of business. <clears throat> not only has uh, Dallas Stars head coach Rick Bonus stepped down, all his assistants have gone with him. So the Stars currently have no coaches, period. Um, ESPN's Kevin Weeks, if you follow hockey Twitter, usually he announces things from the weirdest spots. Um, he announced the Stars head coaching uh, dilemma, I guess you could call it development. That's the word I'm looking for. From in front of a FedEx truck. That seems oddly fitting for some reason. <laughs> FedEx has not gotten any royalties on it yet, but uh, that uh, remains to be seen. Um, in case you have missed it, at the trade deadline, Kevin Weeks announced trades from, let's see, behind a goalie mask in the ESPN studio, uh, somewhere in the bowels of Bristol, Connecticut, uh, on a boat, uh, on, a, on, a, on a bus, 
uh, from his basement. Um, a bunker, his bed, I'm sure. His bed, yes, his bed, his hotel bed, um, a submarine. Uh, I don't know. <clears throat> he announces things wherever he can. Um, anyways, the Carolina Hurricanes, Mr. Emery. Um, yep. First, let's recap game seven uh, before we get into game one of the second round. Um, that was the largest crowd in PNC Arena history, I might add. Uh, yeah. I don't remember the exact number, but that was the largest crowd ever at PNC Arena for any event, sporting event or concert. Um, probably closer to 20,000, counting yeah. standing room only. Yeah, I think it was 19,500-something, somewhere around there. Uh, and w- with standing room only, you can very clearly pretty much round up to, to 20,000. There's at least five or 600 just standing on the concourses that just wanted to be a part of that. But... Um, Take us through what happened in that game and how it kind of parlayed in the game one of the second round. Um, well, I think the thing that really happened in the game seven was the home team won. Like you said, it, the, the home team won every game in that series. Um, Carolina was definitely favored. I think they should have closed it out with um, in six, but there are some um, I'm not going to touch that. circumstances. Yes. Yeah, we'll put it that way. With um, zebra stripes. But... <laughs> yeah, pretty much. But, um, yeah, the Carolina kind of came out. They were, and this will tie into the Rangers series too, kind of sluggish, but you can tell the nerves were there for both teams. You could tell the you could tell that Marshawn, Bergeron, and uh, uh, Pasternak were feeling the pressure. Um, they, they tried to intimidate Carolina like they did all series long. And eventually, I think it was, yeah, Terravine had opened the scoring as he, I was not expecting it, but hey, I'll, I'll take the goal. It was a More late. unexpected was Max Domi's performance, somebody that <laughs> yeah. had little to no playoff experience and comes up with two of the biggest goals of the, of the probably in franchise history, really. Yeah, he, I owe, there are some Canes fans, not myself included. There are some Canes fans who owe him an apology, saying things like, "Oh, well, he hasn't scored in blah 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 games." I'm like, it doesn't. Care. Do you care now? Because he scored the two biggest goals of our season so far. Or, um, of course, the same thing we said for Antiranta, but I'll get to that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, they came out kind of flat. Antiranta played played pretty well on uh, on home ice. Um, Max Domi, I don't know what got into him, but I guess he just wanted to make all the Canes fans forget about what about what they were saying. And he wanted then, he wanted to shut them up, is what he wanted to do. Yeah. He wanted to shut up the you know, you and I well know there's portions of this fan base that are well yeah. less than uneducated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are the people and, that hop yes. in at this time of the year and start having opinions yeah. when they haven't watched at all until now. So. Exactly. And they, but yeah, they finally slayed the evil empire <laughs> as one of my friends calls Ding them. Ding dong, the witch is dead. The witch is a spoke to be, by the way, in case you're wondering. Yeah. And yeah, now they. For people that hate the Boston through. Bruins, the spoke to be is like a pentagram. Like it's just, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a sign of the antichrist is what it is. Um, but Des, if you'll pull up the, the, uh, the goal from game one of the second round, uh, Christian, there's a formula to beating Igor Shesterkin, who is um, one of the finalists for the Hart Trophy, which is the MVP. Goalies don't get up for that very often, if at all. He, he, he should have won that, won the trophy by beating Pittsburgh. 
That's that's just my. He pretty much single handedly won that series for them. But uh, I want you to break this down for us because there's a formula to beat this guy. And Ian Cole, who only had two goals the entire regular season to a T, performed it on this play. Yeah, and so yeah, Des, you're gonna go and start. What you're gonna see is you're gonna see Smith right there. Cole's coming in, and can you pause it? Can you go back a couple seconds and pause it right before he shoots the puck? Yeah, okay. So right here, uh, right. Yeah, pause it right there. Um, if you saw it, what happened was Ian Cole was on the red line behind the goal, and okay, perfect actually. Um, Ian Cole was behind the on the red line behind the goal. He comes and goes into that uh, that uh, I'll say cluster of Rangers, and yeah, right towards that right faceoff dot. Yeah, um, he's the one that's yeah, right there. Yeah, he's in between uh, uh, Lafreniere. I think is behind him. Yeah. And uh, what he does is, if you look look at the Rangers netminder, Igor Shesterkin, he's looking for the puck. And he can't see. He, he's screened by his own man. And, I, yeah, who ultimately plays a role in scoring the goal. And um, that's what the – if you, Des, could you play a little bit more? It's been on a long time. Yeah. So, yeah, you see him turn and shoot. That screen that was set in front of him, he couldn't see it. So Ian Cole gets the puck. And is able to get the puck. I didn't notice this when I first watched it, but that's what you have to do, Bishit Sturkin. Is you have to have screens in front of him consistently. You're not going to be able to beat him consistently with um, just slap shots, wrist shots from wherever when he can see it. I love the celebration anyway. Um, the beautiful, it's just beautiful. You're going to have to get going to have to set screens in front of him. You're going to have to get down and dirty like they did for the second for their first goal that Ajo scored on the rebound. You're not going to be able to beat him with just line drives to the net. You're not going to be able to beat him with wrist shots consistently. You're, you're not going to have... beat him. You're not going to beat him clean. He's, exactly. He's too good, has been all year, and he's seeing the puck too well now, especially after, like we said, pretty much single-handedly beating Pittsburgh on his own. Um, making, I don't know how many saves it was in that in that game seven, bringing him back down from 3-1. But it's a reason he's up for the Hart Trophy. It's because he makes pretty much every save under the sun. You throw everything but the kitchen sink at him. But you said it. That's your formula. You've got to get gritty, dirty style goals. And granted, this was not a screen where the Hurricanes guy was in, where Hurricanes no. player was in front of the net. This was friendly fire from Shesterkin's perspective. Also, there's uh, two of the Rangers fans who, uh, yeah, they've been performing at their New York's finest yeah. already on the yeah, internet and, and in the arena yeah, just, um, that night. We'll get to that in a second. But yeah, I just um, wanted to add one thing if I could. Yeah. Um, I didn't realize this, but I, after I didn't realize it during the actual game itself. But um, I didn't realize that the puck had deflected off of. Um, uh, I think it's Ryan Lindgren. I didn't realize it had done it that. Off because, of, yeah, here's the replay. You'll yeah, see watch, Lindgren uh, right there, 55. That's actually right uh, the 17. Or oh, yeah, no, okay, right. yeah, 55, hit, yeah, 55. Lindgren right off the shaft of his stick. Shesterkin never saw it because Lindgren was in front of him. See, there's Ian Cole right there on the right side of your screen. Watch him pinch down right there on the right face-off dot. Shoot it right off the shaft of the stick of Lindgren and in. Yeah, and that, again, like I said, that's what they're going to have to do to beat Shesterkin. And um, I, that's what you're going to have to do to beat Shesterkin. You're not going to be able to, like I said, beat him with straight-on. And you saw Svechnikov right there before that, before he went after the puck trying to screen in front of Shesterkin as well. So, that I mean, this can work. 
Carolina is one of the few teams that can actually pull this off successfully to screen a goalie of Shesterkin's size. That's part of what makes him so good is Shesterkin is of a height and a build where he can see around a lot of those things. But when you have guys like Svechnikov, like Aho, like Kokotniemi, like Justin Trocek, um, Marty Natchez, guys that sizable, thick guys that can get in front of the net and make things difficult. You've got to have redirects. You've got to have tips. You've got to have opportunities for some really juicy rebounds in front of the net. That's the formula. You're not going to beat him clean. He's no. too good and has been too good all year to beat him clean. You're going to have to get your hands dirty. Yeah, and uh, that was something that for the first two periods they were not doing in game in game one. They came out kind of flat, which given – the style of hockey that the Bruins played compared to the style that the uh, Rangers played. Two it took them a period styles. to get ramped back up. They were exactly. a little bit drained, it looked like. Yeah. And you have to um, – and I don't – I think one thing is they kind of they, – the the, uh, the Canes and Rangers played two very similar styles of hockey. Pretty much identical. One – the Bruins, who they played in seven games, play a completely different style of hockey. Want to slow the pace down – the Rangers want to get out in transition, shoot pucks, dump it in, get rebounds and all that stuff. That's going to be an adjustment if when you're coming off a game against the, a series against the Bruins. Um, and they're going to have to uh, um, bad. I think they just needed to readjust. And you could see that in the third period when they started playing their game and what happened when they and, scored. And you'll hear, you'll hear that term all the time, find their game. They found their game. And like you said, they had to readjust from – uh, Larry Frank uh, chiming in there. Yeah, Domi with the Hurricanes. Uh, Jimmy Butler stepping up with the Heat. Uh, Luka Doncic, he needs more help. Uh, but there were three Mavs that helped him at once. Um, we'll get to that in a second. Golden State might have a blueprint for him. Jason Tatum with the Celtics. NBA playoffs are good too. But let's focus on the Canes right now while we have uh, a couple more minutes here in this segment. Um, looking forward to game two tonight. Also in Raleigh. Uh, hopefully the... Uh, uh, New York's finest that show up. Special shout out to the lady who went viral on TikTok for being a complete <laughs> idiot wearing an NYPD hat um, and a Rangers jersey. Um, Bud Light actually offered free beer to any Rangers fans that were able to get into the arena, which, by the way, was not as difficult as New York media made it out to be. No. Also, a special shout out to New York media for also being completely idiotic. Um, I like to call... Uh, WFAN and other stations like that. Uh, um, weak-minded sports talk for the weak-minded sports fan. Um, it, it's also called easy listening, um, I guess would be the, the, the general term, um, saying that anyone who lived in the Triangle of North Carolina was a, quote, hillbilly. No one has ever been to Wilkesboro. <laughs> None of them. Ever. Or Lizard Lick. No. Having, having driven through... Having lived in the Triangle for 20-some-odd years and then driven through Wilkesboro and worked for Wilkesboro, yeah, that's a fair statement. <laughs> yeah, no. They, they, look, North Wilkesboro Speedway is back open. That's fantastic. I'm so happy about it. Nobody in New York media is going to go there because they also think NASCAR is stupid. So they have a track in their state that they also don't care about. Anyways, yeah. um, game two tonight. What are you looking for, Christian? Um, I'm going to see if they can, if, for both teams, if the Rangers can continue to be as aggressive as they were, um, because they were the, the better team the first two periods. First, actually, for the fifth, first 57 and a half minutes, they were the better team. Um, I'm going to see if Antiranta can continue his hot, or his hot play, 5-3 and three record in the playoffs. And I think he's, 
I'm curious if he's going to be feeling pressure because Freddie Anderson was back at practice yesterday doing some very minor skating, but still practicing nonetheless. But I don't see why you don't ride the hot hand right now. Um, and I just want to see if the Canes can play their game for a complete 60 minutes or in the case of the uh, game on Monday or whatever day it was for 45. Yeah, exactly. Much. Yeah. yeah. But no, and, you want to uh, play a full 60. I think that's yeah. going to be the key. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just want to see also, I want to see if, um, yeah, I just want to see if they've gotten the Boston series out of their system and they're more re-energized and ready to play their style of hockey versus playing Boston's. You got to yeah. put together a complete together performance, I think yeah. tonight. And that's the definition of a full 60 minutes. Uh, but yeah, the blues are kind of in the same boat as terms of goaltending. Um, Freddie Anderson was the hot guy all year. He gets hurt. He goes out. Ronta's the hot hand right now in the playoffs. Philly Huso was the main guy for the Blues all regular season. Um, he falters a little bit. Jordan Bennington comes in, kind of steadies the ship a little bit. Now he's the hot hand. So uh, uh, Blues abs, that's a good series. That's 1-1 right now. We'll get to the rest of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Battle of Alberta, Battle of Florida. Those are fun, too. We'll talk about all of that right after this. You are listening to The Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. This is Davis Troxler, the proud owner of North Carolina Golf Academy and the director of instruction. Don't let your golf game suffer from this dreary winter season. Come hit some golf balls, take a lesson. You can call us at 336-324-2374 for details. Thank you and keep it in the fairway. Carolina Cobras. If I take that field, if I take that field, if my game starts to slide, if my game starts to slide, I have no fear, I have no fear. If my brother got my gun, my brother got my weapon. Catch them all season long. That's all we got. That's all we got. On your home for triad sports. Oh, are we right here? Are we right here? Are we right here? TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Kim Source Direct is a single source supplier. In business since 2007, they have over 80,000 products for customers just like you. Located in the heart of North Carolina, they supply cleaning products all throughout the Southeast. Whether you're a commercial business, office, or municipal building, looking for wholesale cleaning products, chemicals, cleaning equipment, or service, they've got you covered. Please reach out and start saving money today. Stop by their store open to the public and save. Kim Source Direct, 1207 South Park Drive in Kernersville. Give them a call at 336-515-9990. Order from the website at kimsourcedirect.com. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. We love sports. Joe Lewis, the greatest box ever lived. Not only do we love sports, but we love to debate sports. He was bad in Cassie Clay. He bad in Sugar Ray. He bad in that. Who that's you? The new boy. Mike, Mike Tyson looks like a bulldog. He bad in him, too. He done whipped Mike Tyson ass. He whipped all that. For the best sports analysis in the triad. What about Rocky Marciano? In-depth local coverage of your favorite schools and teams. Let me tell you something wonderful. Rocky Marciano was good. But the bad Joe Lewis, Rocky Marciano ain't 
and of course, the best sports debate in the triad. It's Joe Lewis's ass. Welcome to Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Joe Lewis is 75 years old in the You're welcome. I don't know how old he was. He got an ass with this is Coach Rez, head coach of your Carolina Cobras arena football team. You're listening to TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for triad sports. And you know this, man. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Back here on the store with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, Tobacco Road Sports Radio, Jack Town. Brett Wiseman joined by Christian Emery, our producer Desmond Johnson, uh, Coach Rez bringing us back in from break there, head coach of the Carolina Cobras. It's on our air tonight. Uh, his coaches show 30 minutes prior to our coverage of the Cobras on Star Wars night tonight, Des. No coaches show this week uh, because they oh, had a short sorry. week. They actually they actually played Sunday night, and then they're playing right. on Friday, right. so we yeah, didn't so do a coaches show this week. It'll be back next no week. No coaches show, but it is Star Wars night. So uh, if you can't get to the Greensboro Coliseum, tune in. If you can, please bring a lightsaber and, you know, I don't know. Stormtrooper I outfit. I think J.P. Mundy is dressing up as a Sith Lord. I can't remember what he said. Uh, Why is that so fitting for J.P.? Yeah, so J.P. Mundy, Ryan so Stone, fitting for Paul. J.P. Please, everyone, please pray for Ryan Stone because here's what JP is going to bring a red lightsaber and just beat Ryan upside the head with it for the entirety of the broadcast. They fight like 15 year old girls, and I love it. They'll be all right. They'll be the pettiness is so real with those two. They're like an old married couple. uh, They're right below BDOT's VIP section, so they, they should be pretty well behaved. But that should be a good game. First time San Antonio's ever been to the Greensboro Coliseum. Uh, the Gunslingers, the Carolina Cobras are the only undefeated team in the National Arena League at 4-0. and uh, Coach Rez really got these boys playing really well. And, of course, we're the home for the Carolina Cobras. So definitely stick around today, 8 p.m. kickoff, Carolina Cobras Friday night. So yeah, it's a little bit later than normal. Normally, this uh, Saturday night kickoffs are at 7, but uh, this one at 8 again. So if yeah. you can't get out to the Coliseum, uh, tune in or, or, or you know bring your AirPods and tune in in, in, the, in the arena. Oh, and special shout out to the East Forsyth softball uh, lady uh, Eagles. They are attempting to get back to the regional, the Western Regional Final tonight. They're on the road taking on the one seed Alexander Central. Normally we would have that game, but because of the Cobras, we do not. If they do win, we will have the entire regional final next week. Uh, West Forsyth baseball is also in action uh, against Providence, the number one seed in the West. Uh, If they win, they will be, I think, hosting the Western Regional Final uh, next week also. So we'll give you all those details on uh, just follow Tobacco Road. At Tobacco Radio on Twitter. I, I believe Reagan is still alive. Are they not? Uh, I, I don't know, actually. Let me check that real quick while you get going into this. And I'll let there's, you know. a, there's a chance West Forsyth and Reagan could meet uh, in they that were, regional. But uh, they, they were losing when me and JP were doing the East Forsyth uh, Mooresville softball game. And I never I believe got those are the only final. three area teams that are still East Forsyth baseball, I think, is. Let's see. Uh, yeah, Providence is taking on West Forsyth, and no, Reagan lost to Myers Park 11 to 5 uh, okay. on Thursday. So, so West Forsyth so, yeah. is the only baseball team still alive in the area. East Forsyth, the only softball team still alive in the area. That is as correct. I, as I know it right now. So, uh, yep. Christian, Battle of Alberta. Oh, my Holy God. <laughs> jumping. What a game that was the other night. In case you missed it, uh, 15, give me seven of that. 
you missed a football game is what you missed. You missed, yeah, a, CF, much. You missed a CFL game between the Edmonton, I don't know, they changed their name. They were the Eskimos, but they changed it. Um, and the, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers uh, or you know, BC Lions, I don't know. For those of you that don't know, because we don't live in Canada, um, or those of you that maybe don't follow hockey as closely as Christian and I do, the Calgary Flames, the Edmonton Oilers absolutely hate each other's guts. Period. Dez has video evidence of that involving Milan Lucic. Speaking of former Bruins. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. He looks like one, doesn't he? Yeah. If you but were yeah, to I've... have not known he played in Boston, you look at him and be like, yeah, that looks like somebody who'd have the spoke to be on his chest. Yeah. All right, here yeah. we go. Trying to get a hit to the four checking There's one. And there's one after the whistle. I believe Milan Lucic if, uh, said something to Evander Kane about his bankruptcy um, or something. I don't know. Maybe that's why Kane backed off. But Lucic was ready to go, man. I'm telling you. But that's how much these two teams hate each other. Here's the replay. There's hit one on Connor McDavid, best player in hockey. And there's two after the whistle. The dude got jacked up. As soon as he looked and saw it was Evander Kane, he was ready to go. Because he knew he could beat him. I hope this goes seven. I took the punch. I didn't get the fight. And at the end here, all I see in the box is Lucic at this point. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's how much these two teams hate each other. They're in the same. Consider it like the Battle of Florida with Tampa and, and, and the Florida Panthers, except it's in Canada. And this rivalry is twice yeah, as bad because it's, it's been going on twice as long. Um, we have not had these two teams meet in the playoffs since 1993, all right? It's been a, it's been a long time. Wow. There had also not been this many combined goals in a playoff game since they last met in the playoffs in 1993. 15 combined goals. Um, I don't know if 11 got of the which video, were, but... 11 of which were about, at the end of the second. I don't know if you got the video of, uh, there were, uh... Yeah, 11 of which were the 11 goals combined in one period, by the way. Uh, Dez, I don't know if you got the video. 30 seconds recapping every single goal. Um, because if we sat through and broke it down goal by goal, we'd be here all night. Uh, yeah, there we go. There it is. So a special thanks to the NHL Twitter for putting this together for everybody that missed it. Oh, it's 15 seconds. Four! 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 It's almost like somebody looped an NHL 22 game and just kept pausing it after every goal. And just looped the audio. Yeah, the fact that they were... The, the, the entire game, as, as, don't get me wrong, it was incredibly physical, too. 
That's how yeah, good both of these teams are, is they can beat the crap out of each other and still score that many goals. It's amazing. I love yeah. it. And the fact that Edmonton was able to come back and tie it with four, I think they scored four of their six goals in the second period. The fact they were able to come back and tie it early in the third was ridiculous. But Well, you had, you had the two fastest goals, or the fastest two goals in playoff history, I believe. Was it two goals in the first 30 seconds off of Mike Smith for Calgary? Uh, off of Mike Smith of the Edmonton Oilers. So Calgary's up 2 nothing. <laughs> not even 60 seconds into the hockey game, and Edmondson pulled Mike Smith. So credit is where credit is due to uh, to Edmondson for coming back there, and they had to come back time and time and time again no, in that no game. Yeah. So, look, this God, you said it. I hope this goes seven. Yeah, and- I really hope this goes seven. We're, get, we're getting there, Larry. We're get, I promise <laughs> we're getting there. I know and- you're a big Tampa fan, Larry. We're get, I promise we're getting there. Yeah, I do want to – Sorry, can I say? I just want to say Go one ahead. thing. If you think, if so, for those of you who don't know how Canada is broken down, they're broken down into provinces. Can, mm-hmm. uh, Calgary and Edmonton are separated by about three hours. Yep. And they're in the not quite the most western province of Canada, but they're up there where no one really lives. But uh, so, to, so to put it in layman's terms, think of it as Appalachian State to Eastern Carolina. East Carolina, in terms of an in-state rivalry. Think of it as Wake yeah. to NC State, like a two-and-a-half, three-hour difference, depending on you know what part of I-40 you get stuck on if you're going from Winston to Raleigh. But, um, it's yeah, it's separated by about three hours. So, yeah, they don't, they, they're not too fond of each other. No. Uh, Tampa and, and the Florida Panthers, which are in Sunrise, Florida, suburban Miami, uh, also separated by um, – it's a shorter amount of time. I don't know. Larry yeah, Larry lived in Tampa. He can probably tell us how much the difference is. Um, but the Lightning have a much nicer arena that isn't in the middle of nowhere. Um, Panthers, though, had home ice because they, you know, won the President's Trophy. So um, that curse still exists. Although yeah. they were able to win their first round series. Uh, they now trail 2 nothing. But I'll tell you what. Game one was fantastic. Game two was even better. Um, last night was an, an instant classic between those two, uh, with that thrilling finish, had the goal with Tampa with under five to go. And it was broken down really well on the air by Eddie Olchek. And I'm, I will add this Turner sports TNT, absolutely blowing ESPN out of the water in terms of the quality of the coverage, especially here in the playoffs. Um, the most watched Stanley cup playoffs ever on cable has already been surpassed in the first round by virtue of TNT and TBS having the most watched Stanley Cup playoffs on cable. Just them. Much far less amount of people watched ESPN. They watched their local broadcast if they could. A lot of people that I talked to, um, if the Canes were on TNT for one of those two games, uh, they went and found that broadcast and didn't watch uh, Mike Maniscalco and Trip Tracy in round one. So, But now at round two on, it's national broadcast. So anyways, um, broken down really well. Uh Carter Verhage uh, went from behind the net, decided to double-team Nikita Kucherov, which in theory isn't a terrible idea considering no. he is the most dangerous man with the puck. But the most dangerous guy on the ice could be wearing no name and no number, could be a fan, but if he's in the slot in front of your goalie, he's dangerous. Yeah. Uh, that happened to be the uh, the winning goal scorer that Kucherov found in the blind backhand pass and only a select number of human beings can pull off, uh, and he did. Right on the tape. 
snapped the shot, 4.8 to go, game over. Um, and Andrew Burnett, head coach of the Florida Panthers, who, by the way, for you old schoolers, uh, the Minnesota Wilds' first ever playoff series victory was over the defending Stanley Cup champion Colorado Avalanche in 2002. Guess who scored the Game 7 game-winning overtime goal in that game? Yes, Florida Panthers head coach Andrew Burnett. Um, so he's got some he's got some tinkering to do with the lines. He's got some figuring out to do. But we talked about this with Tampa uh, in the first round series with. Um, now I'm blanking on who they played. They Toronto. played uh, Toronto. They're real. Yes. By the way, uh, in case you've probably heard this fact already, Toronto now the first team in the history of all four North American professional sports, and probably the MLS too, for that matter, um, to lose. Consecutive winner-take-all games in five straight years. Congratulations. Wow. That doesn't um, that doesn't surprise me, but it sucks. It had to be uh, uh, Toronto. It's uh, it sucks. Four hours apart. Okay, so Tampa and Sunrise, Florida, are four hours apart. So we're going back up whatever interstate they go on. I don't know. I've only been as far into Florida as Orlando, so I I have no idea. Um, we're going back up to Tampa. And there were a lot of Tampa fans there the past two nights um, because, as we know, this is a Florida team that generally bottom 15 in attendance despite how good they are, which is sad. Um, but there's not going to be a whole lot of Florida Panther red in Amalay Arena um, on Saturday night. No. Um, but these next three games are uh, three and four, I believe, are back-to-back. If not, there's there's a couple of these next few games that are back-to-back, which is rare in the playoffs, but simply due to the, the, the factor of proximity here uh, that within a day you could you don't, you don't have to fly back. It's not like St. Louis and Colorado. you got to fly, you know, 1,500 miles back, you know, halfway back across the country. Um, it's a four-hour, you know, bus ride. If, yeah. if it's a flight, it's an hour. So um, these are also two teams that do not like each other. No. Uh, they met in the playoffs last year. We saw that. Um, this is not to the same degree as the Battle of Alberta, but, and we talked about this with, with Tampa in the first round uh, against Toronto when they were down in that series. Now they're up 2-0. So it, it, they flipped the script a little bit. And they've had to come from behind in both of these games. In both yeah, of these first two games. And, you know, it's a team that's accustomed to doing this. They've been here before. They're the yeah. two-time defending Stanley Cup champions for a reason. When they find their game, they are very difficult to beat. There's not a whole lot of teams that can beat them. Yeah. Uh, I think Florida can, but a lot of people are riding off the Panthers at this point, and I think that's a mistake because Florida's been a very good road team all year, number one. Uh, number two, Tampa's not you know invincible at home. We saw Toronto go in there and win one. Um I think there's a bit of a, a, a tendency here for Tampa to kind of, you know, let off the gas pedal a little bit. They go home up 2-0. Um, maybe get a little complacent. Maybe come out a little bit flat. Florida's going to play desperate. I think Florida yeah. can win. I think Florida can take this back to um, FLA Live Arena in Sunrise, Florida, tied 2-2. If not, it'll be 3-1. I think they at least get one on the road and they could take it back but tampa bay is the better team right now they haven't been all year in this series 
Tampa Bay is by far the better team because they're doing a great job of neutralizing Florida's top scorers, Huberto, yeah. Barkov. Um, they're preventing Florida's decor from getting involved, which is one thing that uh, Florida uh, does really, really well. Guys like Carter Verhage are, are very offensive-minded defensemen. Um, Tampa's doing a very good job tightening up through the neutral zone, not allowing clean breakouts. They're not allowing Florida to get to their game, and they're not allowing Florida to prevent them from getting to their own game. Yeah, so, and... go ahead. Sorry, I just sorry you just lagged a little bit. The um, one thing I've, I've I just checked it. Florida has had no, not Florida. Tampa scored six goals, and this is kind of deja vu as a Canes fan from the last series where they played Tampa. Anyway. Um, Tampa has scored six goals. Four of the goals have been on the power play. Or, sorry, three or, three or four of, the, of their six goals have been on the power play, and that's something that the Tampa The Florida Panthers used. have not scored a power play goal since, I don't know, November. A while ago. Uh, it, it, it's been about that long, so... Look, but yeah, t- yeah, Tampa's. If they can key keep number that- one, please. If you get a man advantage against Tampa Bay Lightning, don't blow it. Okay, yep. they don't take that many penalties. You it's have Jonathan Huberdeau and Alexander Barkov. For goodness' sakes, shoot the puck. Okay, find yeah. a way. Yeah, I know it's Vasilevsky back there, but Vazzy versus Bob, great goaltending matchup. It's going to be great on uh, all series long. I hope that one goes seven two. Uh, Blues Avs. Avs were thought to be the better team. Uh, Blues got to their game. Um, I think all three of these other series have the potential to go seven. Yeah, and that would be fantastic. I mean, I don't want the Canes to play too many games, but, I mean, hockey's hockey and the playoffs are something else. I'll put it that playoff way. Hockey, give me as much playoff hockey as possible. I, I don't okay. care if the Blues lose in seven games. If it goes seven, it goes seven. I just want to see as much playoff hockey as I can. All right, let's get in the break here. Michael Davis, our resident Miami Heat fan, and Christian Emery, our resident Boston Celtics fan, will discuss the Eastern Conference Final. And uh, does Golden State have a blueprint to stop Luka Doncic? We'll talk about it. You are listening to The Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Mailor Family Chiropractic and Acupuncture, located at 205 North Cherry Street in Kernersville, is your family chiropractor. Dr. Mailor's goal is to treat and correct the underlying cause of patient symptoms to alleviate pain and to restore balance. Mailer Chiropractic treats pain, sports injuries, injuries from auto accidents, and much more. Start performing to the best of your ability pain-free. Give them a call and set your appointment today at 336-996-3737. Mailer Chiropractic in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair, all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. 
franchise players. Welcome back. Sports Channel 8's Ben Swain. How you doing, man? I love that you guys are doing what you're doing. I love that we're doing what our work we're doing because the local sports fan is really underserved in, uh, in, in sports radio here in, in North Carolina. Being able to, Monday morning after the New Carolina game, being able to listen to local guys talk about the local game. Franchise players. Every Friday afternoon at 5 p.m. on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and at 6 p.m. on W. WCOG 1320 AM and WTOB 988. Welcome to the Pit Stop, the only radio show produced in the triad dedicated to Bowman Great coverage every single week. Join host Brett Wiseman for exclusive coverage and interviews with your favorite drivers at the Madhouse, plus recaps of the previous week's races. Coverage of all divisions, modified sportsman, street stock, and stadium stock. Tune in every Monday night at 8 p.m. on WTOB 980 AM and 96.7 FM or throughout the week during the season on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Let's get funky here on the show. Score with Brett Wiseman here at Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman alongside Christian Emery. Desmond Johnson, our producer and resident Miami Heatian Michael Davis. Uh, my attention was focused on uh, hockey last night. My Blues were in action, and of course Tampa and Florida before that. But uh, if you could clue us in on what the heck happened last night in the whiteout of FTX Arena. Well, Brett, that was that was hard to watch as a Miami Heat fan. If I'm being completely honest, just at the first quarter, we start and we're up 15-8, looking pretty good. And then all of a sudden, every Celtics player was just draining threes. And by the end of the first quarter, like we're down double digits. And then they just keep piling on the second quarter. And I'm like, if we can just get it underneath to double or underneath double digits into about eight or nine at halftime, cool. And then a few minutes later, I was like, if only we can get to under 20, we'll be okay. And it was just, it was hard. It was a thunderstorm in Miami. And it was because the Celtics were just raining in threes. It was bad. Yeah, you said it. And, and I think, I think this is going to be a key element to this series going forward is three point shooting. We know how good both of these teams are in that category, but it could be the difference in a lot of these games going down the stretch when you look at the shooters that both teams have, especially you, Michael, with Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, guys like that. But um, and there's there's the stats from the other night. I mean, thanks, Des. Yeah, look at the look at the differential there in three pointers. <laughs> thanks, Des. <laughs> Miami was it twenty? Yeah, Miami twenty nine point four. Boston fifty plus fifty from the field. Um, what did they shoot? That's I noticed that watching the Golden State uh, Dallas game Thursday night. No, Wednesday night. Wednesday night. Where uh, Dallas shot like 53 pointers and hit like 17 of them or something weird. How many did they shoot? Miami shot. They, they were 10 for 34 from three. Yeah. Or which, Boston 20 for 40 <laughs> from three. Which half of those Boston three-pointers came in the first quarter. It was... And they were like nine of the I mean, look, look at 35 in the first quarter, 36 in the second, 
36 in the third. A little off the gas in the fourth, but that's because they could. Um, this was the first Miami home loss this playoffs. Well, just glancing at the – because I didn't see the full game. I went in and out. Once I saw it was kind of a blowout, I just never went back into it. But just looking at the stats, Boston, I mean, they were 21 for 23 from the free throw line. They were shooting 91% from from the free throw line. Uh, Rebounds about even. Really, it's just the free throw line and the three-point line. Those are the two big differences. And I I think that could could be par for the course for the whole series here, Michael. Um, And these are also two teams that have – a lot of guys that like to play physical and get down and get dirty, and they'll, they'll get their share of, of, of free throws. And you look at the attempts there, 22 and 23 attempts for both sides, but, you know, the the attempts from the line and from three-point range are pretty much even. Miami only shot six less three-pointers than Boston did, but Boston made far more of the shots and was better at the free-throw line. So at this point, you know, and it could be the difference for, for those two aspects as to, who can do the better job of knocking down their shots when they're available here? You know what? Here's my thing. And I'm sure you're going to probably get into golden state and Dallas here in a bit too, but I, maybe I'm just too old school, but I'm sitting here looking at the, the shot selection for, for both the East and the Western conference playoffs. And it's driving me nuts. So out of, so just in this game, the Celtics in the heat, there, there was 170 shots taken between both teams. Right. Right. Out of 170, 74 of them were three-point attempts. Like, does that seem normal? Does that seem right? Does that seem like a formula that you can build on? It feels like it people seems are like regular season play. basketball. I it mean, that, like- that might be that might be where playoff basketball is heading at this point, but you know, it doesn't seem like the kind of game you want to play in the playoffs. Am I wrong? Well, I well, I mean, honestly, in the NBA playoffs, size is what really starts to come into play yeah, and that's like, that's my point size. and yeah. like I said both these teams have size too so they're going to get their fair share of free throws Grant Williams Jason Tatum Bam at a bio they've got big guys that can get to the free throw line but they're on not a, on a pretty regular basis they're not but playing they're not going through, so they, to them yeah and they, that way they, they'll never get to the line because they're not playing through the big guys the big guys have been relegated to basically mop up duty in the paint protect the rim if somebody decides to drive but most shot of them blockers. are mainly yeah and shot blockers yep. rebounders i mean people are complaining about deandre ayton's performance the other night but that i mean just looking at these stats like he's been reduced to this rebounding blocking defensive guy that might give you 15 points if you know putbacks or whatever but you're not running anything for the bigs and uh it's funny because a lot of these teams they, they they're trying to duplicate what golden state was doing but Golden State shoots mid-range jumpers. Like, they're not just threes. They take the best shot, not the the shot with the most points. You know, there's a difference in what they're doing. But all these other teams are trying to just jack threes. And for me, it's the hard shot to watch. with Golden State takes the shot with the highest percentage. Whether right. that's down low, whether it's mid-range, whether it's a wide-open three. They only shoots. take the smart highest percentage. Again, no matter who shoots it. Exactly. And, and they've got usually they've got four people on the court that can create their shot at any given time. No matter if it's the death lineup or if they've gone big with Kaminga in there or, or whatever it might be, it could come from hell. The other night, Wiggins had a hot first half. You know, Steph and Clay were off, and then you know, eventually they got on in the second half like they were going to. But uh, I don't know. I'm just sitting there watching the game, and I'm just like watching Dallas jack three after three after three, and they're just you can just tell they don't have their legs underneath them. And I'm like, why are they why are they playing like this? And and to Brett's point, they play like this in the regular season. They don't know anything. They They're don't know any different. Exactly. Golden State. But Look, Golden State doesn't play that way. That's the thing that bothers me the most is the perception of Golden State is that they jack a bunch of threes. 
they hit a lot of threes because they're really good at it. Because they, they find they, open threes. They don't just stand there and jack them. They don't like these other teams are just going around the perimeter, passing the ball until you, you swing it to the guy that's open. Golden State's offense is kind of like a mix of the triangle, uh, even though the triangle is pretty much illegal now with the way defense is. You you basically you've got two, at least two guys always running around. It's usually Steph and Clay. There's now, there, Steph, there's there's portions of it that are that I'm seeing. Yeah, there's portions of the triangle because of course Steve Kerr played for Phil Jackson uh, with those '90s Bulls. And there, but there's also a little bit of Greg Popovich San Antonio yeah, in there in terms of movement. ball movement, player movement. No one stands around. still. Everyone is either moving or setting a screen. The ball is never in one spot. No player is ever in one specific spot for more than two or three seconds to stand and set and shoot. Everything rarely, and everyone is moving. You rarely see ISO with Golden State. And that's what kind of bogged them down when they had Durant because they had to kind of revert to ISO and right. let Durant do his thing and cook. But when it's like the death lineups out there with Poole, Curry, uh, Thompson. Draymond, Thompson, and Wiggins – any of those guys can get off their shot. And, and the first three guys that you mentioned are not only great at creating their own shot, even when those depth guys are out there, those three, even Draymond Green, tremendous at creating shots for other guys. Yeah, yeah. That's his that's his that's why they pay him twenty five million a year. Like he that's his value. And now they're finally healthy. People kind of forgot the monster that Golden State was before all these injuries started happening and Durant left. But they weren't – it's not like they were horrible before Durant got there. They were already right. the best team in the NBA before he got there, and the core is still there. As long as Draymond, Clay, and Steph are there, I don't care if Steph and Clay are in their late 30s in a couple of years. They're jump shooters. You can be a jump shooter in the NBA at age 37 and be fine. <clears throat> Ray Allen. Yeah. I mean, it's Reggie Miller oh, played until he was almost 40. Like, that can still happen. It would be different if it was like, you know – they, they're both slashers. They, they both hit the ground a lot, like Dwayne Wade or John Morant type of uh, basketball. Yeah, I'd be a little concerned that the window might be closing. I think this is a whole brand-new window that they've opened up, and the two years that they missed the playoffs were the worst thing that could have happened to the NBA because it gave them two years to rest. And now – And rebuild. And rebuild. Yep. They are surrounded by young, hungry and dudes. Just think, we haven't seen – barely seen any of James Wiseman yet. He hasn't played all so. year. He hasn't played all year as far as I'm aware. So no, they, they don't need them. They don't need them. Yeah, that's they, the they, scariest they part. Them. The number one overall pick is a guy they don't even need. They can trade him off for Lord knows what. Like, say Charlotte comes a calling and they're like, "Hey, please, you get please, what do you please, want?" Please. You know, and, and they trade Wiseman to Charlotte for. Would you do Gordon Hayward a first next year? And I don't know. You throw in whatever you throw out there. Do it. It's not just because I want a Wiseman of Hornets jersey. That'd probably be enough right there for James yeah. Wiseman straight up. Uh, Gordon Hayward? Uh, yes, please. Please. Hey, hey, you get Hayward's contract off the books. Uh, you'd have to match the money. So you still have to yeah. send something back. But but that's yeah, very, I, I, I would do that right now. That's a Easy. very lopsided trade towards Charlotte, though. I mean, especially with Hayward if, aging now, and getting hurt. Now, Golden State wouldn't do it because they're just adding on payroll and they're already right. like, a billion dollars into the luxury tax as it is. So they, they wouldn't do that. But, uh, but yeah, to Brett's point, they don't even need Wiseman at the moment, but if say Wiseman comes back next year and he's hundred percent and he's like really good, <laughs> like yeah, he, then he, he's got, he's going to have value regardless. But uh, I wanted to get to, to one more point here before we get in uh, our final break of the hour. 
Of course, Steve Wiseman joins us to uh, talk all things. Uh, he's from the NBA Combine, or he's been there the past couple of days, so there's a lot of developments out of there that he'll tell us about uh, some ACC guys to watch out for as well. But uh, I feel like Golden State, on the flip side of things, they might very well... Yeah, Dad, those don't exist anymore. They Sorry. should. They, they should, but they don't. The past, look, the past two NBA champions scored in the paint or were able to get points inside of the three-point range. Uh, Milwaukee, Toronto. They were yep. – while Leonard's the king of the mid-range jumper. People have forgotten that. That's why I compare them to Jordan. Their games are similar that in that fashion. It's just the mid-range jumper has just gone away. It's yep. gone away. I don't know why. And the guys but, that can do it well, there's a reason Phoenix got as far as they did last year. It's because Chris mm -hmm. Paul was so good at creating mid-range jump shots, creating well, shots sure. for his big men. Yep. That's another thing that I think Golden State's done really well. They're creating shots for their big guys. Dallas isn't. Luka Doncic, the one thing that may be the knock on him, there's two things. Golden State has a blueprint here, I think. They're physical with him. Very, very, very physical. Luka Doncic does not like to be touched, beaten. You know, it's playoff basketball. It's another level of physicality, number one. He doesn't like to be thrown around. He doesn't like to, you know, he doesn't he doesn't go looking for contact, right? He's one of those guys that actively avoids contact like the plague. Like he actively tries to social distance himself from everyone else on the court in another color jersey. He's not going into the paint trying to run somebody over. All right. He's trying to step around those guys. Spencer Dinwiddie's exactly the same way. Everybody else on that roster is not doing their part to help Luka right now, and Luka's not doing his part because Golden State frustrated the heck out of him in Game 1 because they were physical with him, because they were up in his face all night. Every single minute he was on the court, there was somebody breathing the same breakfast that he ate. There was somebody inhaling the same air that he had because they did not want him to have any space, to any room to breathe, any room to move. The thing that makes Luka so great is when he has his space, he's able to create shots for himself. When he doesn't have space, there's not a whole lot he can do because he hasn't figured out a way to create shots for anybody else. You know you know the crazy thing? You're going to think about this the rest of the weekend after I say it. The Dallas Mavericks are the 2007 Cleveland Cavaliers in the Western Conference. That's what they are. They're literally... They're literally the Cleveland Cavaliers from 2007, the team that LeBron drugged to the NBA carried. Finals. Yeah, they got carried. By the Sun, or by the Spurs. That team was in a weak Eastern Conference, so LeBron was able to just go Super Saiyan and carry that team there. But once they got to the Finals, it was like you realize he had Booby Gibson as a teammate and and Z. I and, was and I was just about like, to say. I that, was just about to hit our the children watching with a trivia question. Remember who the point guard was for the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers? Yeah, Daniel Gibson. Out. That's 2022 Dallas Mavericks. You have a top five NBA player in Luka and a bunch of spare parts, and they're in the wrong conference. If they were in the Eastern Conference, I would say they could probably make it to the finals. They could probably beat Boston, or they could probably beat Miami. They are not going to beat Golden State. Like, they're just – I just That's going to be a sweep. They don't have enough. Yeah, they're just, they're just not going to do it. They're, I don't know about sweep. one but... more dude for Luka. Yeah. Uh, didn't when he goes off one of these games and helps Luka out, yeah, they might win one. This is over in a maximum of five. The like Eastern Conference speak. Final, I think, has the tendency to go seven. The potential uh, to Yeah, I agree with that. I would think, and I still haven't really picked uh, a winner in the Eastern Conference Finals yet between the two because I really feel like they're both. They're both so evenly matched, but I got to yeah. give I got to give the edge to to uh, to Miami a little bit just in terms of Thank their you, style man. of play. 
I love, uh, you know. J can we give some flowers to Jimmy Butler? Finally, please, please. please. Jimmy Butler please. is a superstar, and like everyone clowned him when he chose to go to Miami instead of like linking up with Paul George or Kawhi Leonard or LeBron or whoever. When everybody was still linking up or whatnot. If anything, chose, you got to respect him for that now. You got to yeah, respect him twice now. as much for that now. They've been in two Eastern Conference Finals in the past three years. And uh, NBA Finals. NBA Finals. And they have a pretty good shot to go back, you know, again. And all of that is because Jimmy Butler is their de facto superstar. They have a superstar. They've got pieces around him. And I think the NBA is getting back to that. I think the days of stars linking up, I think that ended. I think I think that's Thank over. Thank God. I, I hope have so. I think KD and Kyrie. KD and Kyrie. I think that's Kyrie. the last one. I, th I think if anything, people. if you look how um, how much that's backfired, that pretty much killed the entire narrative and debunked that idea from anybody else. Right again, the last two teams that won the NBA championship weren't built that way. You know, no. Toronto and Milwaukee. They they were built the way and small market teams too. Smaller small market, market teams. teams. You get that one dude that's like a top five player that year. You got a shot to win the NBA title, and that's usually what happens. And and out of the teams that are left right now, who are who the are their top five players left in the four teams that are left? I'd say Steph is a top five player. I'd say Luca's Luka. a top five player. Luka. I'd say there's been debate Jimmy about Butler's Jason a top Tatum 10 player, there. but Butler's a top ten guy, and there's been debate about Tatum being a top five guy right now with what happened. Uh, you've before. got basically two top five guys and three or four top ten guys. And I, I kind of feel like the win, the the winner is going to be from the West, regardless. So that kind of makes sense. Yeah. So I think, think I agree. Golf? I think whoever whoever wins the Western Conference Final should be Golden State. It's going to win the whole thing. Yeah. It's like everybody in the, in the State, NHL yeah. is saying right now: the winner of Blues Avalanche is going to win the Stanley Cup, or the winner of Canes Rangers is going to win the Stanley Cup, or the winner Christian of those Dispers. two series will be in the Stanley Cup Final, <laughs> uh, which I think is an absolutely, you know, I, I think that's absolutely a possibility. Okay. Not that I'm not that I'm knocking Miami and Boston by any stretch, but as as weak as the Eastern or the Western Conference was, weaker than it has been in previous years, it's still not the East. The East is still the little brother. It's still the inferior to the superiority of the Western Conference. Dallas knocked out the one seed. Okay. They did Golden State a favor. They did whoever comes out of the Eastern Conference a favor by knocking out Phoenix. Did you? Okay. Um, okay. Did, you did you hear uh, who was it from Phoenix that came on? Was it Mikael Bridges? It was one of them that came on after they lost, and they were like, "Well, we haven't been telling anybody, but we've all been banged up. Chris Paul's got a hurt hamstring, and uh, somebody's got a hurt." Oh, 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 oh. Did, uh, did, was that did that help at all to come no, out? That made it twice as worse. I made it worse. Yes. Yeah. I didn't trust Phoenix at all this year. I didn't trust them last year, to be honest. Uh, Chris Paul has a habit of getting run down at the end of seasons, and it's hard to depend on him. And I don't know if uh, this Phoenix team might not be constructed this way next year. DeAndre Ayton may not even be there. So and there's some definite uh, cap and uh, luxury tax questions that have to be answered with that club. Uh, for sure, Aiton might not be there. You got to somehow keep Devin Booker happy because he's the future of your franchise. And if that comes at the expense of Chris Paul walking, then so be it. Uh, well, they signed Chris to a two-year deal, so he'll be back. He'll be unless back. He tires, but, but, yeah. yeah. Again, I you, will you say keep Devin Booker happy. A few months ago, we were talking the Eastern Conference is definitely stronger than the Western Conference. And while I think like Golden State right now is the clear favorite to win the title. Miami and Boston could beat Dallas in a seven-game series. 
Oh yeah, Dallas. Yeah, da- yeah. State, if Dallas were by some know. miracle get get through Golden State, yeah. If absolutely. Boston gets if Boston gets Robert Williams back for the finals, if they're playing Golden he's, State, he's playing right now. He's trending. He's yeah. He's if he's closer to one hundred percent, then yeah, maybe. I just feel like Golden State just kind of let people forget who they were. Like they did. They just and now they feel like, like they got to remind everybody, right? Yeah, and, and like I mean, Steph is thirty-two, Clay is like thirty-one, Draymond's like thirty-one. Like they're literally entering the second window of their prime right now of another four years, and I just don't see any other team out there currently constructed, except for maybe the Grizzlies, that will give them trouble in the next two years. Uh, maybe the Pelicans if Zion ever plays, because uh, I like their their young core. Uh, maybe the Lakers if they can figure out how to get 10 more players on board for $3 million your roster correctly. <laughs> but uh, other than that, to, to Michael's point, we did say the East was better. I think it's because there's more competitive teams in right. the East. There's because more parity in the East. The, yeah. The, the, the space between the one seed Miami and the 10th seed Charlotte was like eight games or something like that, yep. which is nuts. So it's hard to tell who's the best in the East because they were all so grouped together in the West. We knew it was, Phoenix, Memphis, Golden State, and then everybody else. So, all right, we got to get in the break here. Uh, Steve Wiseman joining us next from the NBA Combine with some developments as uh, we're not only NBA playoff time, the draft lottery just went down, which means uh, it's time to turn our attention towards our top prospects. ACC guys on the radar and App Stater uh, as well to discuss. You are listening to The Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. IdeaCom NC, a trusted telecommunications company with 60 years of experience in unified communications. IdeaCom is about more than just phone systems. They provide a full range of communication solutions. Whether your business is big or small, from churches to schools to fire departments, depend on the best in cabling, phone systems, IT support, and more from IdeaCom of Central North Carolina. Top-rated customer service that cares about your business needs. Check out all the host of solutions at IdeaComNC.com or call at 3 3 Six eight five four 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 five five. Ideacom NC. Looking to tailgate this summer? Stop by One Stop on the way. One Stop number six, located just one mile west of East Versailles at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. One Stop serves fresh fried chicken and our famous caters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Feeding a crowd? Get 16 pieces of chicken inside for just $27.99. Craving wings? Come try our new spicy breaded wings. Get a five-wing meal with six taters and a roll for just $7.39. Now in regular hot ranch or spicy. One stop number six, 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. Welcome to The Pit Stop, the only radio show produced in the triad dedicated to Bowman Gray coverage every single week. Join host Brett Wiseman for exclusive coverage and interviews with your favorite drivers at the Madhouse, plus recaps of the previous week's races. Coverage of all divisions, modified sportsman, street stock, and stadium stock. Tune in every Monday night at 8 p.m. on WTOB 980 a.m. and 96.7 FM or throughout the week during the season on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Carolina Cobras. If I take that field, I have no fear. Catch them all season long. That's all 
we got. That's all we got. On your home for triad sports. Tobacco Road Sports Radio.com. Welcome back to the score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio.com. We're back here on the score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, Tobacco Road Sports Radio.com. Brett Wiseman joined by Christian Emery, our producer Desmond Johnson, and live from the National Basketball Association Draft Combine. That'd be Steve Wiseman back on the program with us. Steve, I know there's a lot to see and a lot to do and a lot to talk about there. Um, and there's some ACC guys uh, to discuss as well. But uh, uh, the crop of Duke talent that's there, I think, is at, at the top of the list as far as we're concerned. Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, we know Paulo is going to go in the top three or four picks, I think. I mean, no, he's not going to fall down. Now he's, he was very quiet here this week. He didn't have to work out. He didn't go to scrimmages, didn't talk to the media. So he didn't really need to. He was here for the uh, for the lottery. Um, and then uh, the other guys, uh, Mark Williams, Wendell Moore, uh, are all, uh, A.J. Griffin, they're all expected to, to go in the first, you know, I'd say 20, 25 picks for sure. I mean, Mark Williams really, uh, he, he measured well. He measured 7'2 in his shoes, which is a little taller than what Duke had enlisted. Uh, his, his body fat was like... 5.4%, like something really low for a guy That's of his size. Low. So, for the guy that yeah. big, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He's in tremendous shape. So I think he really helped himself being here. And again, he didn't scrimmage or go through any um, any drills. But yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good week overall for the Duke guys. And a lot of those guys don't necessarily have to scrimmage though, right, Steve? I mean, they, you know, guys that are already thought of to be lottery picks like Apollo Bencaro can come in or Omar Williams can come in, measure, get their vitals. As long as they're in good shape, a lot of teams will feel confident without seeing them on the court at the combine. Correct. I mean, yeah, the, the, the top guys don't don't do any of that stuff. They don't do the the agility stuff, the shooting drills. They did all those on Wednesday. They did the measuring stuff Tuesday and Wednesday, and then those drills on um, on Wednesday, and then the scrimmages were yesterday and today. So yeah, the top guys don't they don't do the scrimmages, um, and most of them don't do the, uh, the 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 agility and the and the shooting stuff either because um, they're they can only hurt themselves, they figure. And um, and Paulo, Paulo and Mark Williams and, and A.J. Griffin were all in that group. Hey, Steve, um, this draft to me kind of feels like it's not top-heavy. It's There's a lot of talent, but there seem to be like that one guy that stands out above everyone, like a Zion Williamson or a Shaq. It feels pretty balanced. Who do you it, do you think Orlando's leaning towards a particular guy? Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, it's kind of Jabari Smith – from Auburn, Chet, uh, Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, and then and then Paulo are kind of the three that are kind of a little bit of separated, but not that much. I mean, um, so you know, Orlando needs something to build around, right? I mean, they they're a mess right now. <laughs> they need something marketable, and I think you know a guy like Chet Holmgren who is going to it's going to take some time for him to see how his game will play at the NBA level. He's not going to come in and be, you know an all-star the first year. He's, again, you talk about the superstars that come in the league as number one overall pick. I don't think he's one of them, but he's got the potential with his game to to be that in the long run. So maybe a team like Orlando would take him and say, this, this is our future. He's here. Start get on get on board right now. And they don't need him to come in and be part of a championship team or anything like that. 
Yeah, I mean, you're totally right. And, you know, that's what you look at with, with a lot of teams at, at this point in the draft, but especially Orlando, who's nowhere close in their stage of their rebuild to where they're 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 going to need guys that are going to come in and, and, and be immediate franchise pieces. They're okay with picking somebody high up that might be, you know, by some standards, a project. And I think if they reach for Chet Holmgren, that's going to be a project to get him beefed up to be able to play down low in the post in the NBA because he is way too skinny right now to be playing down there in the NBA. Right. And like Paulo, his game is more, he could come in and make an impact right now. He's not going to exactly. be an all-star, but he can, come exactly. in and, you know, he can shoot from the outside. So, um, you know, I don't know if that's what they want to build around. If they want to get somebody who's got maybe Chet may have a higher ceiling, right. Then maybe, right. then maybe Paulo does if you, if you stick time with him down the road. So um, yeah, there, there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of intrigue this year with that number one pick. And then what happens I, after that? If I'm Orlando, I, I probably don't pick Paulo just because of there was pockets during the year where he should have been more aggressive and he wasn't. And to me, that's kind of wired into the player. Like they're not going to magically become aggressive as they get older. Either you're that way or you're not. And right. if I'm picking number one overall, I'm looking for like a franchise changer. Like I need somebody that's going to sell tickets. And that, and that could be or, a Chet Holmgren. That could be a he's Chet such a unicorn. He's such a he's going to be such a hit or miss type of guy to me. Like, and that's that's the thing. It's going to be a coin toss. Is can you? He's going to be a project. Yeah, is is the term? Is, is exactly. Can you groom, is can you groom him to be the guy that I think we've all seen he has the potential to become? The only question is, can you and and will he follow suit? Let me let me ask you this too, uh, Steve. While you're here, you were talking about Mark Williams earlier. Yeah, uh, I keep seeing Mark Williams attached to the, uh, the Charlotte Hornets uh, at thirteen, at right? Yeah, thirteen. Yeah. I I don't want Mark Williams because I feel like they've drafted Mark Williams the past two years. They drafted like, it, it, it's Vernon Carey two point is who he is. Ver, well, it's Vernon Carey, Kai Jones last year. They traded up yep. into the first to go get him, and and now we hear Mitch Kupchak come out yesterday and basically say you know really laid out kind of the reason why they fired james borrego was that the young guys didn't get any play that they were getting, <laughs> they were being shipped down to the swarm all the time and that wasn't really in their game plan in the front office do you think that charlotte would do the same thing again after they just fired borrego or do you think they package the 13th and 15th and, and trade for like an established guy because that's yeah i mean that might be a better move you know i mean uh, it feels like if you're gonna fire borrego you're trying to win right now and right you right. know I, this, I agree. this isn't this isn't a build, and you got about two more years to convince Lamelo to stay here instead of yep. going to a bigger market. So and you got to do it now. The, the guys, the guys that Charlotte is talking to right now, very quickly. Um, if you want to set a standard, Mitch Kupchak just signed a contract extension. You need to be talking to Terry Stotts and Mike D'Antoni. You don't need to be talking to anybody else. You need to be talking to guys that have had success and have had a history of success in certain places. Well, Nobody else. D'Antoni was taking the lead, but D'Antoni's seventy-one, so I don't right, know. Right. Uh, you know, I think Terry point. Stotts is the number one choice in 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 my in my humble you know Hornet fan opinion, but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I think if you take Mark Williams at thirteen, um, whoever you hire as head coach, I think the number one message from Mitch Kupchak is going to be whoever comes in as head coach is okay. Whoever we draft, you are playing him, even if it's for eight to ten minutes a night. You are going to play him because See, he's got to get his feet wet. But even that, though, if you're Mitch Kupchak and you're you just told the media that you wish you saw more Kai Jones in Charlotte, why would you draft Mark Williams the next year if you still haven't seen Kai Jones in Charlotte? Like that to me, I'm just kind of looking at it like, why would he draft the same kid when he never saw the kid that he traded up for into the first round 
actually run with the Hornets for a long period of time. Like it just feels like it's setting up for them to trade for a, a, a veteran big man, whether it's I actually was going to do this tomorrow on the rundown, but what if they put together a package of Gordon Hayward, Kai Jones, a 2023 first to Utah for Rudy Gobert? Do you take that? Wow. Mm-hmm. See, you talk about making a splash to, to prove to LaMelo that you're going to win, right? That's how you do it. You're not going to go out and sign. You're not going to sign a big-time free agent, right? You're not going to go Charlotte. Gordon yeah, Hayward is your Hayward, that, Gordon Hayward's your ceiling for big time free agent, right? Yeah. If exactly. that's your ceiling for big time free agent, you're not going out and getting anybody else unless it's a trade. And they had to overpay to get him here. But like you do exactly. that, you get Hayward, you get Hayward off the books, his 60 million. You get that off the books. He was hardly on the court. You, the two 13th and 15th picks that they have, you're packaging that to get a former defensive player of the year. The main weakness of the Hornets was what? They couldn't defend the paint. Interior defense. And, exactly. re- and rebounding like that that cures that you free up minutes for miles bridges because literally he's playing because hayward is not they're playing the same position so you get them out of there you, you sign bridges to the max so now you got a core with mellow bridges gobert rosier and then book knight jones that that's a top four team in this in this eastern conference and we saw what we saw out of kai jones and james book knight last year when they were up from the swarm was exceptional play. JT mm-hmm. Thor too. JT Thor played great when he was up. So they just didn't get an, enough minutes. And look, I look back to Dwayne Bacon for the same reasons. Dwayne Bacon could have been twice as good a player as he was in Charlotte than he ended up being, but his best numbers were in Greensboro because that's uh, that's where he was half the time. Malik Monk <laughs> didn't get playing time because James well, Borrego and he beefed over how much playing time he was getting. Well, Monk wasn't playing a lot of defense either, so that kind of... Well, yeah, then there's that. They but, upgraded with Rogier with that but spot. Look, but look, you, you said the interior defense thing. I think that's why you look at a guy like Mark Williams. Right. It, it, it's twofold. You, you look at somebody that with that size and that build, and he had the numbers to back it up last year, that could defend the paint as well as he can and was one of the leading rebounders in the country. So... That that fits your your biggest hole, your biggest need. But in the same by the same token, you could package that thirteenth and fifteenth pick and go get a Rudy Gobert. Or counterpoint, you trade back and get now looked at late first rounder Jake Laravia. Mm, <laughs> I don't think I do that. Just a but... thought. It's not going to happen. But Jake Laravia has entered the the top thirty picks. He's, Steve, he has he's had a good week here. He really did. He shot well on Wednesday. Uh, he didn't do the scrimmages because he did so well, you know, with Wednesday with his test, testing and everything. I mean, he's an older guy, right? So um, there's not as much, you know, buzz about an older guy. But but he has done really well to move up in the bottom end of the first round. What did you think about Brady Manning from what you saw from him, Steve? Because I'm hoping that maybe Charlotte grabs him in the second round. I, I know he didn't – he only stayed the first couple of days, but right. there was a clip going around, I think, on NBA Twitter of him blocking a guy or something. How did How did he look? He blocked Jalen Wilson from uh, Kansas. It was, you know, a little, little, little putback, little, 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 little pushback. Oh, yeah, yeah. Little bit, yeah. <laughs> all of a sudden, like, he, he started doing it the last month of the year, and all of a sudden he started swatting everybody. It was like, where was yeah. January? Yeah, as soon as he did it, we were all in the stands like, oh, we know what that was about. But uh, <laughs> it was good. It was good. But, uh, no, he, he, he did well. Uh, I thought he might be one of the guys that would be invited from the G League. They call it the G League Elite Camp. Uh, to get to stick around to the full combine, but he wasn't. Uh, so, but I, I think he um, he shot pretty well in the first game, uh, the first scrimmage they had on on Monday. 
Um, he did what he does. He hit, you know, three or four three-pointers and scored 17 or 18 points, whatever it was. Um, so, but, he, but he, when he talked to us that day, he said, you know, I'm, I'm kind of what I am. People know what I am. You know, he's a, he's a, he's a pick and pop. You know, he can, he can pass off the, off the pick and roll, that kind of thing. So he could do some things. He can set screens. Um, there's, there's a place for him in the league. I mean, he mm-hmm. may have to go through the G League a little bit and work up to it, but I think he'll find a role in, there, in the there, NBA. There's quite a few teams that could use a Brady Manic. Sure, I sure. think yeah. Charlotte would be the perfect destination for Brady coming off the bench. That pick and pop three-point shooter who's 6'10", 6'9", or whatever, yeah. so he can defend a little bit. He can I think he could, be the guy, he could be the guy that they thought Frank Kaminsky was going to be. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. He could, And he wouldn't have to start or anything like that. But no. bringing a kid shooting 40-something percent from three in today's NBA that's 6'9", 6'10", yeah. I mean, I'll throw a second-round pick on him. Uh, yeah. It feels like a Mitch Kupchak pick. Unlike Frank Kaminsky, right? You're not used to No, a, I wasn't. Yeah, yeah, a couple yeah, in here. Yeah, yeah no, you're not using the top 15 <laughs> pick on the guy. No, no, no. No, that take was, number 13. Let's take Brady number 13. I've seen that online this week. Okay. Well, you think they'll take him at number 13? I'm like, no, I do not. <laughs> Absolutely not. They will not. This is <laughs> this is why this fan base frustrates me so much and as a part of it is because I get takes like that. And then the takes that, oh, we should trade for Russell Westbrook. We should have traded for Russell Westbrook three years ago. No. I was one of the ones who wanted Westbrook three years ago, though, before, like, at the beginning of the big contract, before he started breaking down, he was winning MVPs, and we didn't have LaMelo. Well, yeah, then then I was fine with it. But after we got LaMelo and people still wanted, people were like, okay, let's pick LaMelo. Okay, we picked LaMelo. Now let's flip him for Westbrook. What? That's what the Lakers would want. That's not what everybody else would want. The Lakers Um, would run to the phone for that, but. We got a we got an NC Stater that's on, on a high rise here. Uh Terquavion Smith uh from the Wolfpack. He is rising quickly up the board, Steve. What have you seen from him this week? Yeah, he again, um it, it, one of the three point shooting drills, like he should he made seventeen or seventy two percent of his you know, he he was the top top shooter in that in that drill. Um thirty eight and a half percent max vertical, thirty eight and a half inch max vertical. Um wow. did really well in the in the uh you know, the pro lane agility thing, you know, the three quarter court sprint, all those things, he really showed out. And um, he just talked to us a little bit ago here, and he said he hasn't got enough yet to know he's not coming back to NC State. But I think that's probably he said he hasn't got the guarantee yet. But he's got his pro day in LA on May 25th, which I think he'll probably get it there. I think he's probably done a lot, done enough here that um, that he won't. I don't, I don't see him coming back to NC State with what he's done here. Do you know why? What's going on at NC State with this exodus of players? It feels like Kevin Keats can't keep a soul there. Do you, do you have any clue, <laughs> like why these guys just dip after like a year or so? And I some know, of them, they, know, they have no business leaving. They have no business going to the NBA, and they know it. And they're like, just want to announce I'm leaving. I don't care. In some place I'm out. Else. Yeah, I'm, I'm out. And like, there's been no word from Kevin Keats or anyone else as to why this keeps happening. Why? Why do these kids keep leaving NC State? Yeah, I don't know. They're looking for you know grass is greener kind of thing. I mean, they're when you look at what they did, like they, uh, they you know, they're, they're so bad. <laughs> Such a bad team this <laughs> so year. That's what I was about to say. One <laughs> of the highest at the combine. Like, why was NC State so bad? If he was, that's like, everybody's asking. Me, like, because he didn't. Well, I don't think he wanted to jump thirty-eight and a half feet in the air in NC State. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't want to jump out of the gym. Oh, uh, one man. more thing, Steve. While we got you, I know you got some some other obligations there since uh, you're one of the only local guys that's uh, that's there at the NBA Combine. Uh, somebody who's not there but is keeping his name in the draft. Shockingly enough, Appalachian State's Adrian Delph, uh, Indian Trail native, keeping his name in the draft. He announced today hiring an agent 
uh, despite not even being invited to the G League portion of the combine. Right. I don't even think he has a shot to get picked, but somebody sees something, obviously. (laughs) Or else he'd be coming back to Boone. Yeah, his agent must know somebody that said, you know, we'll put you on a G League roster. You know, come on out. We'll get you. We'll get you on, you know. The Canton Charge or somebody like that. Well, right? but so. Christian and I know that he's, if anything, he might be, you know, yeah, Canton Charge or Fort Wayne <laughs> Mad Ants material when he shot. What did he shoot from three-point range this year, Chris? Like 25%, something oh like that? Gosh. Yeah, he, he, was State's lead, he was App State's leading yeah. scorer. Justin Forrest was like 1B, but both of them shot 15 threes a game and only made about four of them. That's and a whole money. <laughs> You know, if you went, if you just decided to leave App State, you could probably make a whole lot of money in the G League. The G League, they the average typical salary is thirty seven thousand dollars a year. So he probably could have made more. You are not going to make. Okay, yes, minor league baseball players make less than that, but you're you're not going to make headway as a member of the main Red Claws. Okay, I'm sorry. (laughs) What is the Santa Cruz Warriors? uh, The Toronto eighty nine oh fives nine oh fives. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. The 905 North. It's my oh, favorite part God. of the G League are the team names. Like the G League has gotten to the point where now the G League is just like, yeah, we're just going to have a team that's the league. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And even so, it's still, I know what the NBA is trying to do, but it's still more beneficial. If you're a top 15 kid to go to Duke or Carolina or UCLA or Kansas. Or do what LaMelo did and go play in Australia. Yeah, or go just out of the country completely for a year and come back than it is to stay to go to G League. Because once you go to G League, that kind of sticks with you throughout your whole career. Like every time I hear, uh, every time they talk about Jordan Poole on 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 the air, they have to mention. They, say, well, they have to say he was in the G League for that. They have to say it. I'm yeah. like, who cares? Who cares if he's in the G League? Like that speaking doesn't really of, matter, But speaking of the, Jordan Poole, sorry that that's the name that keeps getting attached to to Cravian Smith. Is it Jordan Poole? He's got that kind of game. That's I a, see that's Miles all Bridges kind of game with him too, don't you? That kind of mid-range to three-point can stretch that jump shot out, really high vertical. That's a good yeah. comp, I think. Get in, the lane, uh, get in the lane and finish with that leap. You know, he's pretty good. So, Like first round, late first round maybe for him? Or I mean, that that's what he wants. That's what he said he needs to hear to, to, to stay in. To convince he's not gonna, him to stay. Yeah, right, in the right. Draft. Otherwise, he'll come back to NC State, so. Uh, if he says his second round, so yeah, yeah difference between him and Adrian Delph is that he's actually heard he would at least go in the second round. Adrian Delph right. has not heard that he'll even be picked in the G League draft. <laughs> Uncle Jimmy, that was like, you know, you can get drafted in the second round if you just put your name in. I guarantee you, his uncle in some suburb neighborhood in Indian Trail was like, Yeah, you should go play in the G League, yeah, go play that's... for the Greensboro Swarm, you'll make Greensboro a lot of money for them. And that 3,500 seats converted field house. Buy a house in Greensboro, thirty thousand dollars. You can do it. No. I mean, you, you could probably. Not today. <laughs> not now you could buy a. It, 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 it might be a you know a rundown you know house in the middle like of Howard Johnson's know. hotel room or something. That's probably yeah. what. It might be a Motel 6 room, you know, for $30,000 a a year, but to rent it out and pay in cash and be sketchy about it. But anyways, uh, Steve, thanks so much for coming on uh, from the uh, NBA Combine. Really appreciate it, sir. Good to be with you guys. Y'all have a good good weekend. We will. You stay safe and uh, get back home uh, safe and sound. And uh, Oh, reminder, uh, Cardinals are on uh, Apple TV Plus tonight for you there, Steve. Well, I'll have to find a way to watch that. 
Yeah, or, or you know, <laughs> sync up the radio feed to where it, yeah, so you don't have to listen to Apple TV Plus's absolutely abhorrent announcing crew. Uh, anyways, <laughs> we're, we're moving on to other right. baseball-related things. You are listening to The Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. This is Davis Troxler, the proud owner of North Carolina Golf Academy and the director of instruction. Don't let your golf game suffer from this dreary winter season. Come hit some golf balls, take a lesson. You can call us at 336-324-2374 for details. Thank you and keep it in the fairway. Looking to tailgate this summer? Stop by One Stop on the way. One Stop number six, located just one mile west of East Forsyth at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. One Stop serves fresh fried chicken and our famous taters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. Feeding a crowd? Get 16 pieces of chicken and sides for just $27.99. Craving wings? Come try our new spicy breaded wings. Get a five-wing meal with six taters and a roll for just $7.39. Now in regular hot ranch or spicy. One stop number six, 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. Kim Source Direct is a single source supplier. In business since 2007, they have over 80,000 products for customers just like you. Located in the heart of North Carolina, they supply cleaning products all throughout the Southeast. Whether you're a commercial business, office, or municipal building, looking for wholesale cleaning products, chemicals, cleaning equipment, or service, they've got you covered. Please reach out and start saving money today. Stop by their store, open to the public, and save. Kim Source Direct, 1207 South Park Drive in Kernersville. Give them a call at 336-515-9990. Order from the website at kimsourcedirect.com. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville, Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no appointment needed quick lube shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. This is Coach Rez. Hey- coach of your Carolina Cobras arena football team. You're listening to TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for triad sports. And you know this, man. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Back here on the score with Brett Wiseman on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, Tobacco Road Sports Radio.com. Um, before we get into other baseball related things, the elephant in the room, yes, that's a pun for the Alabama mascot, um, would be Nick Saban and Jimbo Fisher going at it. Um, as one uh, unnamed SEC coach called it, and I quote, There's always been an honor amongst thieves mantra in the SEC. And those two just called each other's wives fat to a global audience. Yes. That's no, that's what's happening. That's that's the level of pettiness that we're talking about here. This is the level of pettiness I'm here for. I live off of this. (laughs) Yes. As soon as I saw it. In case you missed it, uh, 
Texas A&M, they've got the number one recruiting class in the country. You've probably heard that already. Um, Nick Saban said that they, quote, bought all of them with NIL deals. And it's worth noting that Appalachian State is said to go is set to go play uh, number one recruiting class Texas A&M in week two in College Station. Yeah, oh, wow. I'm not. Yeah, that's not. <laughs> that, that. Yeah, that's... yeah. Well, it was scheduled four years ago because that's how college sports works. Because we didn't know this was going to happen, but it's, yeah, it's going to be. Yeah, they're, they're, the Red Cross may have to come at some point. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, hey, maybe take, you'll get take, another Michigan upset repeat thing going on. You know that would be fine, but also we may have some. Uh, we may have a full trauma house at the Watauga Medical Center uh, when they get back from Kyle Field, um, which, by the way, is a terrible hospital. And uh, anyways, um, my dad knows what I'm talking about. That's a fun story for another time. Anyways, um, Nick Saban stated that. In a some kind of public form, I don't know what it is, um, it or what like it was. For the, the boosters or something for Alabama. It was some kind of booster town hall. Which se- it seems yeah. that seems to be wherever Nick Saban says his most blasphemous statements is at one of these public appearances that he seems to have about two or three of a week that he says some asinine comment and it blows up. This is the biggest of that. Um, it's saying that like A&M... he's just talking to the people in the room and nobody else. Like that's what it feels like. It does. But, but he's Nick Saban. He's Nick Saban. Everything he says is going to go out. So I don't understand. He had to have known what he was doing. He had to have known. Well, the, the best part of this is that he walked it back after, you know, Jimbo. Okay, here's what um, Jimbo had to say in response to Nick Saban saying they bought all their players with NIL deals. A lot of money is being spent. And just your here's what I'm going to oh, say. This is point blank. This is point blank. Because I- a lot of money is being spent and just your case. Here's what I'm going to say. This is point blank. This is point blank. to the Because I hear, here's, here's my problem. There is no $30 million fund. There is no $5 million. There is no 10 This is garbage. Okay? And it does. It pisses me off. That people, and here it comes from a site called Bro Bible by a guy named Slice Bread. And everybody runs with it. So it's written on the internet as gospel. How irresponsible is that? And then to have coaches in our league and across this league to say it? Clown acts. All right? Irresponsible as hell. Multiple coaches in our league. Get them. And the guy's griping about NIL. Get him, Jimbo. Portal, using it the most and bragging about it the most. That's the ironic part. You want character? I'll trust. I'll take it with any of y'all. It's a joke. It does piss me off. The other thing. When you look at, at, at Vice President at Notre Dame. <laughs> yeah. Up at University, right? That's a heck of a person leading to Rutgers University. I'd be real proud if I hired that guy. Read it off sliced bread. <laughs> it's funny. When Nick Saban said his quarterback got an $800,000 deal, it was wonderful. Now it ain't wonderful no more, huh? Darts. But ours, ours, we ain't got that. Ours are on record what comes up. We ain't doing all them big deals. Ain't none on our place we know of. That's funny when you do it. Mm. The hypocrisy is a joke. It's an absolute joke, and it's insulting to, uh, to our staff, how hard we worked. To how we do things, it's insulting to Texas A&M because there ain't a better place to go to school and play ball. We don't like it. We're coming on. Get used to it. All right? We ain't going nowhere. Mm. It, it, it's, it's an absolute joke that people put the hard work in and do it. It's irresponsible. But it's funny when they get it, it's all okay. Ball games are changing, man. And it ain't because of NIL and what goes on. It's pretty irresponsible of all of them. The clowns. Go next they question. got a problem with it? Come see me. Damn. I ain't a hard guy to find. 
Thank you. He hit him with the he ain't a hard guy to find. Good lord. Uh well well here's here's the funniest part of this. And I think that ultimately what this comes down to, and Jimbo touched on it, Nick Saban's just pissed off that he doesn't have the number one recruiting class in the country. He's exactly. pissed off that somebody's exactly. that somebody's coming for his SEC crown. And and that it's a disciple of his. That's what it is. That's Between what's getting that. him the most is that yeah. Jimbo was under him. And I, I know yep. we don't have time to play the full interview, but Jimbo goes on to say, look at the places that Nick Saban has been. Look at the places that he has coached and talk to people who have coached under him, me included. You'll see the kind of track record, the crumbs that he's left behind at LSU and other places. Michigan State. He didn't mince no. words about, I mean, he kind of minced words. He could have gone into more detail without, you know, outright incriminating Nick Saban. But Jimbo he went on to say, everything, to everything he says, I think the quote was, everything he says is treated as gospel. Uh, I believe the slight direct quote was at the end of the, pre his last thing he said before he ended the press conference. You people treat him as God. Go back and see where God has done his dirty work. Mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, he's right. He's right. Like literally last year, Saban and Alabama were bragging about the, the NIL deal that Bryce Young got. I thought it was a million back then when it was first reported. It, it was right around. And for for Saban to be like, for starters, he didn't even have the facts. He he said he got no. it out of a newspaper or whatever. Bro uh, Bible is not a newspaper. No, it's not. Sorry. It's like the, like the onion, kind of. like it, Yeah. It's not really. No, it's an Instagram page that I see videos of people fighting each other in their front yards on. That's not yeah. a reputable news source. It's kind of like um, Barstool, sort of, in a way. It like, is. They, it's they it, it, it's, up, it's like, great value, value Barstool. Like, yeah. if there was a yeah. generic Barstool, that's what this is. It's kind of the same model. But, but yeah, going back to what, I mean, he was absolutely right <laughs> in terms of what he was saying about Alabama it, it, it all comes off as look at what happened to Alabama in the past uh eight months and Nick Saban in particular he loses to Kirby it, Smart and Georgia arrogant in the, and it's in narcissistic of Nick Saban arrogance well, and narcissism to but a we've been led to this point is is my right. point like he, oh, he got okay. beat yeah, yeah, yeah. finally in a national championship game pretty decisively and then and then you're another disciple of yours beats you in recruiting which is something you have owned for the past 12 years or so so in the past like eight months he's had two different guys that came up underneath him and his tree beat him at something and Saban is closer to the end than the beginning in terms of his career and and Jimbo knows that Jimbo's like 60 or 50 something years old Nick Saban's 70 something years old uh Saban might have hell he might coach another what two years three years maybe I wouldn't be surprised if he was out at age 74. You know what I mean? Like that, I'd be surprised he made it that long. So Jimbo knows exactly what he's talking about. Um, do you think it's, do you think this comes in, into more of a Saban realizes that the torch is starting to get passed and he's not ready to pass it? That's exactly what it is. Like I said, it's, it's arrogance and narcissism <laughs> to a T. Nick Saban is not one of those coaches that is proud he acts like he's proud when guys under his wing get these head coaching jobs. Um, this is may not be the fairest comparison, but I think in a way Bill Belichick is appreciative but when, when an assistant of his comes back and beats him as a head coach of another team. Because to Bill, that... <laughs> Wait, so I don't think so, but look... He's appreciative of when they come uh, and beat not him? Not appreciative, but look... It, 
in in Bill Belichick's mind, I think he's going, yeah, I did I did my job on that one. I prepared him well to go do what he's doing now. Oh no, Nick Saban's not all. like that. I think Nick's, him and Saban are exact same. Like they don't want well, any, I mean, that's fair. If you came up underneath them, I think they hate it when those people beat them. But both are the same. You've rarely had a guy that came up underneath them that has beat them. So yep. Yeah, I don't I don't see anything about Bill Belichick or Nick Saban to be like, you know what? Let me, let me put it correct. This is not, there are certain coaches throughout history that have been happy and proud of their assistants when they go on and take head coaching jobs and either beat them the next time they come around or go on and, and have success because that coach feels like, yeah, I did my job to prepare that guy to go have the success that he's having now. And that's something you feel good about. Nick Saban will act like he's proud that he's prepared those guys to go take those jobs. I think when Jimbo Fisher was in the national championship game with Florida State, that even rubbed Nick Saban the wrong way 10 years ago. And then when he came into his conference, it was on. Like, it was on. And became on. the highest paid yeah. coach in college football, like, immediately. On. Like, even higher than Nick. Like, Nick yep. Saban basically has won a title, like, every year. feels like for the past eight years, and he's not the highest paid uh, coach in his conference. Jimbo's getting $9.5 million a year for the next 10 years. And that's the other thing, parody. Jimbo even talked about that in his comments the other day. Um, Jimbo said that the parody that we talk about wanting in college football, that guy over there doesn't want it. He's, Jimbo straight up said that. No. That's the, that, the yeah. number one reason this is even a problem and the number one reason this comment was made is because Nick Saban is scared. Yeah. He's, I'd say threatened at least. I mean, and let's not get it twisted. Alabama still has the number two yeah. rating. Oh, yeah, no, the, the Alabama is still Alabama. Gonna, but they're probably going to win the national Saban, championship. It, it, there, there's a dent in the armor is, is kind of what I'm getting at here. Well, there's multiple dents in the armor. There's a big G Kirby Smart dent, and now there's a big A&M Aggie dent in that, you know, Crimson Tide armor. Just means Because like, as you said, Des, he's been beaten in both aspects he's been beaten on the field and he's been beaten on the recruiting trail By if anything the recruit the recruiting trail he was better at than actually being a head coach he's been the top recruiter in college football pretty much everywhere he's ever been that and you know honestly what i think happened and it backfired on saban i think saban was saying those words because you gotta think about the audience he was talking to he was in a room of All alabama, alabama boosters boosters. and yeah so he's, he basically he didn't come out and say hey we need you guys to step up and start you know, paying these players so we can still compete recruiting wise, but he said it in a way where he didn't say it that way, but it was implied where it was like, look, AM won the recruiting war because they're paying these players. Deion Sanders got hit by a stray. He wouldn't even, you know, involved in this. He gets hit by a stray in this. Uh, he did. And, and there, they were, there were a couple too. of coaches. There were a couple of coaches that got hit by you know stray fire in this. Jim Larinaga, the the, the Miami yep. basketball coach, got hit with some of this, and it's just like I think he was trying to set examples so that the 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 boosters for Alabama would have it in their head. Okay, we got to start thinking the same way A and M does, or Miami does, or, or Clemson does, or whoever Clemson does, where we're going to have to start figuring out ways to not illegally do this by just handing a kid money. But we got to give the program the way they set up. Yeah, they've got it set up where they can do it legally. It's just that some schools are just going to take a shortcut and just figure out a way to not do all the work or whatever. But uh, it to me, it felt like he was trying to tell the Alabama boosters to step up and didn't think about the fact that he was insulting every coach that he put into that rant until it was brought to his attention by ESPN and everyone else when he got home two hours later, which is why he apologized uh, last night. But 
I mean, the toothpaste is already out the tube now. You can't really yeah. put it back in. So. Cat's out of the bag on this one. You, yeah. you, Nick can't even hand over the shovel now. He's buried himself with the shovel. All right. He's dug his own grave on the on, on this particular on this thing. Um, he had dug his own grave on his coaching career. That's not what I'm saying. Don't get that misconstrued. But look, he put both feet in his mouth on this one. This is not just a one foot in the mouth situation. He put both feet in his mouth. Like he seriously messed the heck up on this one. And like you said, that's not a take I've really heard, Des. And I think you're absolutely right. I think in, in a lot of ways, he was trying to tell the Alabama boosters, hey, I don't want to have to do this again. I only want to have this conversation once. I don't yeah. like losing on the field. If anything, I hate losing in recruiting more than I hate actually losing a football game. Yep. And and I can't compete. I can't. Texas A&M has one of the largest endowments in the country for a public university. It might be yep. the largest, I believe, for a public university. They've got money. So it's like they got Notre Dame money. They got more money than Notre yeah. Dame. Like they, the only schools that have Notre more Dame money is are, private. <laughs> yeah. Like they, the only schools that have more money would be like an Ivy League school, like a Princeton yep. or, or someplace like that with a huge endowment. Texas A&M is sitting on like Apple money, like li like literally could do whatever they want and just figure out how to do it, which is why Jimbo kept saying we did it the right way. We did it legal. I'm sure they probably did. They probably did figure out a way to I do have, it. I have no doubt in my mind. Think what you will about Jimbo Fisher. I think he's genuinely a good guy. And I've had so. my thoughts on him in the past. Um, I've grown from his time at Florida State to where he is now to get a better opinion of him. He's a really genuine good guy. And Nick, the other thing about Nick Saban is Nick Saban acts like he cares about his kids. And he, he does to a degree. But in the grand scheme of things, he only cares about himself and his own legacy. Right? Um, I don't know. That's hard to say. Have you ever watched the Belichick Saban HBO uh, documentary? I need to. I've, it's I've really it like good. the plague because I despise both of them greatly. But oh no, it's really good. It's basically because you know they're intertwined, and right. basically it's it's Bill Belichick and Nick Saban uh, meeting in in Belichick's office, basically, which they try to do once a year, and they sit down and they basically talk football, and uh, they both they're both from the same ethnic background, so their families are close or whatnot. Of course, Nick Saban was you know Belichick's uh, defensive coordinator with the Browns, and right. Uh, I think they worked together, uh, Air Force or something. I can't remember where it was, but yeah, that that movie actually kind of shows different sides to both of them. Where I've heard, I, I hate Bill Belichick. People know that I hate Bill Belichick, but I've also seen like he has a sense of humor. Uh, he's a completely different kind of guy off the field, and Saban kind of is like that too a little bit. They're kind of kindred spirits of, of a way. They kind of have a way to be bristly to keep you away from them. But if they let you into their inner circle, you see they're a completely different type of person. So I would highly recommend watching that documentary. It gave me a different view of both guys, but it also gave me a view of how tight they are in terms of uh, passing info along. That's why there's a lot of Alabama players that play for New England, you know? Uh, yeah. They, they, they get the inside track from these coaches. You know, he'll tell them, who's the guy that I need to go get? And he'll tell them, you know, well, the best player on my team this year was such and such and blah, 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 blah. But uh I don't know. Jimbo doesn't strike that way to me. He doesn't seem like a clone of Saban. He seems like his own man. He he is his own man. And Kirby Smart's the exactly exact same way. I don't think anybody that comes out of the Nick Saban coaching tree is going to be a carbon copy of Nick Saban. If anything, what you've seen Jimbo and Kirby Smart do is they wanted to do the pretty much the exact opposite of how Nick Saban ran things. They wanted to do things their own way in a completely different kind of new age style. Um, Jimbo, well, I, will, 
what Kirby was a little different. This is why they were mad at each other for a bit because the one thing Saban and Belichick have in common, they have no problem setting up a, a disciple with a job someplace else, and they'll go, they'll talk to that team, get them in there. The one thing they hate the most, both of them, is if you try to poach their staff and take it with you to wherever you're going. That's like the biggest no-no for both of them. And Kirby Smart tried to do that. He tried to take some guys from Alabama when he went to Georgia, and it made the relationship more frosty than it should have been, which is why Alabama-Georgia last year was probably more contested than you would think it would be. But, yeah, it's not exactly like that, but I, I see your point. So the two teams do play each other on October 8th. Yes, uh, circle that date, ladies and gentlemen. October 8th is at Tuscaloosa, I believe, this time. Oh, probably uh, a front time game. Yeah. Or was it last year? Last year was in College Station when they played in A&M, beat them. But yeah. yeah I would they, have to move that to prime time. That's I think they're able to keep it CB, CBS, remember, this is – I think this is CBS is either their last year or their next to last year with the, the prime uh, SEC slot. CBS will pull what they do like two or three times a year and they'll move that bad boy to eight o'clock and they'll put, you know, a Mountain West game in there at three thirty. Mm-hmm. They'll make Air Force and yeah, San Diego definitely. State kick off at twelve thirty Pacific time <laughs> and tick off everybody over there. But yeah, they'll I mean run, we get Bama A and M at eight. They'll run these comments from Saban and uh and Fisher on a loop for like an hour in the pregame. Yep. yep. They'll be conver- who would win in a who would win in a hell in a cell match? Jimbo <laughs> Fisher. You don't know how much money I would pay to see that. Oh my goodness! Oh, and we could have had that. That could have been a whole segment. We could have got to figure this out. Like, let's put them both on skates. <laughs> Nick Saban's like ninety years old. It feels like, but I feel like he could fight a bear if he got like highly upset. <laughs> that he would do it. He'd get in the ring and fight a bear. I don't know about Jimbo. Jimbo seems like the type that would do the heel, hit you from behind. You run think off Jimbo would table. run? You think Jimbo would be the kind of the best heels are the heels that avoid contact whenever possible. And I feel like he would just be like, he would just wait and wait and wait. And then he'd hit him in the back with like a chair or something and then slink off. To My the God, there's Jimbo with the chair. <laughs> Which one of them would go low in that match? Saban. Oh, Nick Saban would, would definitely go below the belt. Oh my. Yeah. yeah. Nick Saban definitely going for the mommy daddy button in that oh, one. Oh, absolutely. The, uh, Dirtiest player in the game, Ric Flair, would have taught him well. Did I see Ric Flair's wrestling? Ric Flair's wrestling in like a month. Yeah, it was uh, going to be Steam. Yeah. I don't know who. The, I don't know who. Who's he I wrestling? Think, His recliner? I it was some kind of tag match. Out, yeah, uh, yeah. Steamboat was supposed. Ricky Steamboat and a opponent. Well, Ricky Steamboat and a partner were going to take on Ric Flair and probably uh, Jay Lethal in a tag team match at some weird corny fair wrestle thing that was going to be happening that the same sounds like a deep season. south county fair kind of event rick flair 73 uh he almost died like last year or whatever he had like surgery and it was complications or whatever but he's been putting video up of him training in a ring with jay lethal like the past like couple of weeks i'm just like i don't want to see rick flair die like i don't want to actually <laughs> see it happen like i don't want him to die in the ring I don't, want a, to, I don't want to pay money for this pay-per-view and watch Ric Flair yeah. literally die. Like, He's cheated death like a billion times, and it would just it would not be cool if he actually died wrestling one too many times. Like that just that just doesn't seem like the way I want Nate to go out. But no. sorry. I just it, it popped in my head that he's actually wrestling uh in a couple of weeks. So <clears throat> no, but uh bookmark uh, October eighth for the uh post-game steel cage death match at uh midfield of Kyle Field and College Station. Hell in a cell. My God. <laughs> you don't know. 
That might be the one pay-per-view I don't illegally stream. Wait, no, that, sorry, <clears throat> I said that out loud. By God, that's Nick Saban's brother. What is he doing here? <laughs> My God, that's Kirby Smart out of nowhere. Kirby, Kirby Smart? What's Kirby Smart doing here? He took off the visor. Oh it's goodness. over. Oh, it's on now. He took <laughs> off the visor. Oh. If Kirby Smart takes off the visor, that's like <laughs> that's like a woman getting in a fight and taking off her earrings and handing them to her best friend. Kirby like, Smart, Kirby Smart takes off the family. Like, hold, hold my visor. I'm done. Like, I am going ham. Damn you, Kirby Smart. Damn you. <laughs> that man has a family. I don't know. I think people oh, would rather watch Lord. Coach fight in the actual football game. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just put him at, at the 50-yard line. What was the uh, – Bo? this is like Bo Schembeck, Bo Schembechler, Woody Hayes kind of stuff. Oh, those gosh. two would – if they were allowed at each other, those two might have – one might have killed the other one. Like, Woody one Hayes, might have actually strangled the other one. Didn't Woody Hayes tackle a player? He did. Like running Clemson down the player. field his last yeah. game or whatever, yeah. In the national championship game, he punched That's a Clemson cold. player from his own sideline. Yes, that's the type of pettiness I enjoy. Hey, they were they were losing. You had to do something. You had to jump. Like out I said, welcome to the SEC. <laughs> oh my gosh! Having said all this, now is Alabama or AM even going to win the, the SEC? Georgia's the defending national champion. It's a matter of who wins the SEC championship game. I don't even know if Alabama or AM won will come out of their own division at this point. Right? So. Yeah. I, so this has been more fun than trying to figure out whatever uh yeah it's been it's been alabama and everybody else let's just be yeah. real the past 12 months Look, 12 years like, like, like jimbo said there's parody now yeah nick saban's yeah. just mad that the parody has come home to him he's about to have a coach k moment where he's gonna have to decide a roy williams moment where he's gonna decide he might be sitting there right now trying to figure it out where he's closer to the end than the beginning we're gonna yep. see nick saban step away from the game probably I don't know. Next couple of years it has to it, be. It's good. It's going to be in the next two or three years. I, it'll I think be a that's surprise. safe to say. It'll be a surprise. Won't, and we, like won't, we won't see it coming. There, no. there won't be any sign that's going to happen. It's going to be like Jay Wright. It's going to come out of nowhere. If yep. he wins a national championship, do you think he walks off? Or do you think he'll come back and try to repeat? Or win he another should. One? He should. He I should would. walk off. while I mean, he, that's, That would be the classic quit while you're ahead, I yeah. think. But I, I mean, how many titles does the man have? Like seven? So he's already got more than anybody in the modern era. He doesn't really need another title, but uh, no, his, his legacy's been built. Yeah, greatest college coach of all time. Would you say football? Newt Rockney might have something to say about that. Mm. I mean, he's won. Nobody... Is it seven? Has he won seven? He's won seven, seven in the modern era. So I mean, that's more than anybody else. Uh, and he's done it with different teams, different styles of play. He did it he's in done... probably the toughest season ever, 2020. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I that's really that's I just I don't want to give him any credit, okay? I'm sorry. I refuse to give him credit because I hate his guts. And if Jimbo Fisher wants to clock him in the face and throat punch him into the third row of Kyle Field into the student section, he did and say they wanted... so I should hit him. He, he did actually say that. that some, back in my the day, best thing, back in the head. That's the what, that's best thing would be for Jimbo to like just pick him up like ragdoll style, <laughs> cartoon, spin him around, throw him into the student section, and the students just go ham and start pelting him with the rally towels. Oh, gosh. No, I don't want like like a, a mob to hurt Nick Saban. It's <laughs> gone too far. Like he, Nick Saban was just talking what was on his mind, man. He just like, look, man. 
I, can't, I'm, can't, I'm telling you how they right. think in College Station. If Nick anybody Saban in College right Station there. gets a piece of Nick Saban, if anybody in College Station has a chance to get a piece of Nick Saban, they're going to take one. Trust me. Nick, and let's, let's not forget the fact that Nick Saban was right, too. Like, everything he said, was there anything wrong with what? Well, not anything wrong. Was there a lie in what he said that A&M, well, there was a lie. But Yeah, the, the, the lie was the, that A&M I, bought players. Right, exactly. But, the genuine, uh, the genuine idea of what he was saying is that we're being overtaken by our rivals, and we need to do right. something about it. That's not a lie. That's and actually that's, that was now. that was the 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 misunderstanding and how it was misconstrued was like you said it was a message to the boosters like hey like people are coming for us get and he can't, get, get yeah. with the program he can't, he can't say dig in your pockets and pull some money out and help us out that's illegal right. but he can he can put just it just like there, Jimbo hey, Fisher couldn't go outright in a press conference and say hey look here's all the ways that Nick Saban has actively cheated. Right, because then that makes him look bad because it looks like a rat. Like, exactly. even, no matter how he feels about Saban, he can't – there's a fraternity of coaches where all of them are doing something that you ain't supposed to be doing. Let's just start right there. Like, they're all doing oh, yeah. something, exactly. small or and big. For as long as college football has been a thing, back to the days of Woody Hayes and Bo, Schembeck, Bo Schembechler. One day I'll pronounce that right without stuttering. Um, Keep thinking you say Rochambeau. One of the, ever since the beginnings, coaches have been finding loopholes here and there to get around certain things, get around certain rules. Some get caught, some don't. Miami happened to get caught twice and end up on two separate 30 for 30s. Now Miami has a reputation, yes. and whoever goes to coach there gets that reputation thrown on them, right? Some It's warranted. I mean, it's, it's Miami. I mean, it. Yeah, it's warranted. Uh, it's pretty. I'm actually surprised Miami has not been able. Well, maybe they will here now. They've got Cristobal as the head coach, but I'm I think there's definite NIL three. potential with Cristobal at Miami. Yeah, I'm waiting sure. for the U part three. Like this is yeah. this is built for <laughs> Miami. Like you know what I mean? Like to just step in and be great in like 12 months and just kind of well, too bad Frank Gore's kids already at Southern Miss. Uh, Hey, you, there ain't nothing against them trying to get them over there. I mean, we got a transfer portal. They can come on. Come I on, think we'll he's a fifth-year senior. I think he's a super senior this year. Though. I don't know. Could be. But, I mean, Frank Gore won a bo- More importantly, Frank Gore won a boxing match. Can we talk about that for a second? <laughs> Frank Gore's like 50, isn't he? How old is Frank Gore? Yeah. He, he, he was won like a boxing match by TKO. Yeah. Wow. Against somebody. I don't know. You're, you're going to start race. seeing blue He's 39. Bloods. He's 39? He's only 39? That's what, that's what Google's saying right now. That can't be. I no. felt like he was 39 and he was playing. Yeah, is he I, still playing? He, I feel like he played <laughs> till he was 50. Is he still playing? He's not still playing, is he? I don't think so. Um, he's like see. top 10 in yards or something all time or whatever, isn't he? Because he played like 20 years. But now, you're going to start seeing like the USC's and uh, Texas and these, these like Oklahoma. powerhouse programs that have been like not able to get over in Alabama. They've right. come across them somewhere along the way, but couldn't beat them. They're going to start to rise again because of NIL and the transfer portal. We just saw USC still the wide receiver from Pittsburgh. USC, Oklahoma, Ohio State, Oregon, Tennessee, programs that have been dormant for four, five, six years are going to be able to, money. are going to be able to lure kids to play there and go to school there because they're sitting on pockets of booster money to throw at NIL deals. Oregon's sitting on Nike money. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, literally. Like, and they couldn't not, literally not, not just Nike money, money, Phil Knight Nike money. Yeah. So, like, like I mean, the they source, already have Nike money. the best facilities. And they're going to, yeah, Oregon's going to be right back in it. Uh, honestly, I kind of start 
with everything we just talked about with Saban and Jimbo, it made me start thinking what would be the line of secession if uh, if Saban decided to leave. I think it's Dabo. I've always said it wouldn't be, but now that I'm looking at it, that would be the most Dabo thing ever to take over for Nick Saban. It feels like, I mean, because look at the Clemson program right now and where it might be in two years compared to him going home to Alabama. And I mean, he played football there. He, he coached under Saban. Like it's always been assumed that Dabo was going to be that guy kind of, and Clemson kind of passed Alabama for a bit there, but they're still like this. Although some people could say Clemson took a step back last year. I could see, I thought it might be Jimbo that would come back to Alabama, but after this week, that's not going to happen. Um, no, no, nope. <laughs> at all. <laughs> if, whenever Nick Saban leaves, the bridges from College Station to Tuscaloosa have been burned. He's gone. Yeah, they are ash yeah. at this point. But Just notice completely. Dabo hasn't said anything about any of this. And you would think that he'd have something to say. And Dabo's been, been pretty close. vocal about NIL. He's been mm-hmm. very vocal about NIL. He stayed out of this. He hasn't said a word about it. As no. far as I've seen, up to this point, I haven't seen him say anything write about that it. Write that down. Write that down. He doesn't want to irritate Nick Saban because he wants yeah, to right, be Write right down that he's been silent for this whole thing. But, yeah, you said it. Look at the programs that have been dormant for for quite some time. They're 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 going to get in on this. Like the days of Alabama dominating things are gone, and NIL is a big reason for that. I think that it's the other you know Nick Saban scared, but he's also he's not too fond of the future of college sports. He's one of those old style coaches. If anything, I, I, I think yeah. you're 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 seeing Jimbo Fisher embrace that. And those are, those are going to be the coaches that succeed. And those are the, the coaches Hubert that Davis are going to succeed world, stick around and, for a long yeah. time. Exactly. And we just watched it happen in college basketball. And With you're Hubert. seeing yeah. the same thing's going to happen where for every Hubert Davis, you're going to have a Jay Wright that retires out the blue because yep. they're just, they don't want to deal with this anymore. And that's what's going to happen in college football too, except college football might break off entirely. I could see them breaking off entirely from the NCAA and they just create four 16 team super conferences and that's your college football field uh, playoff or whatever. SEC, Pac-12, ACC, Big Ten. And they be- they become four 16-team leagues. Leagues, yeah. And from that, you get a, a round of four college football playoff and then eventually you an get eight. A, you get a UEFA Champions League, but with college football. <laughs> I mean, that's where I they're mean, going. The college football playoff is already technically separate from the NCAA. The bowl yeah, system is yeah, separate from the NCAA. Nobody in the NCAA selects bowls. Nobody in the NCAA selects the playoff teams. And now they're so, finding out the NCAA can't enforce the rules they have in place for NIL. That they are there's already rules in place. Like people are like, oh, you need to make a rule to make sure this that they happen. can't enforce. They already, yeah, they already did it. They just can't enforce it really because there's no way for them to prove it. So it's like, exactly. what's the point of the NCAA? Like, what's the point of them being there? So yeah, yeah, this could happen. Like, I think that's going to be the story after this year is over with. They're going to really start pushing towards some sort. Of, and we already started to see it where like conferences mm-hmm. are starting to align with each other so they could play each other and kind of. Yep. Because uh, yep. what was it? ACC and ACC Big, Big 12 and Pac-12 the or something Pac-12, like that. I believe. Yeah. Some kind of alliance. So they were going to yeah. make sure they played each other. That's well, that, the beginning. And that was born play. out of Texas and Oklahoma moving to the SEC. But anyways. Yep. All right. We're up against it. Franchise players, I believe, is next. We got Cobras football coming up later on tonight. For Christian Emery, Michael Davis, Steve Wiseman, our producer, Desmond Johnson, good night, Canada. Mm-hmm.